expanding the Nerdosphere, talking about everything you want to hear. From comics to cosplay, from the cinematic universe to fan films, and everything in between. It's time to get down and nerdy. Here are your hosts, James Witham and Nick Pataglia. Hard to believe we're already on episode 30 of Down and Nerdy, where we prefer to bend space and time, not the new iPhone 6 Plus. You know, I was literally thinking of a joke to how we can open the show today. I'm like, we got to do something about the iPhone, about it bending something or us bending something. And of course, as it fixes on our 30th show, we're both under the weather. Yeah, it's kind of weird how that worked out. And I've been telling people that I don't get sick. And you know this about me. I don't get colds. I don't get the flu. None of that stuff. And then, you know, just one day I've said, oh, I feel something coming on. And apparently it's going around because you have it too. Yeah, I mean, I woke up, I went to bed fine, woke up at like 7 in the morning, stuffy nose, I probably sound like it now, took a couple Benadryl, literally cleaned my apartment for like a couple hours, and then I was about to go to my, clean my bathroom, and I just felt the drowsiness hit me, and like, oh, Benadryl, you sick, sadistic, you know, pills you, and I'm like, oh, God, so I went to bed, and I woke up later at noon this morning, or as that or this, this afternoon, and I'm just like, yeah, my nose is stuffed up. I'm, I'm fine. It's just my nose is stuffed up. But I literally thought that you weren't going to go to work last night. So, I mean, that's kind of why I was like, oh, God, I hope he's not, like, in bed and has the flu. No, no. I, I, it's, I'm one of those people that if I can walk, I can work. So it's, I mean, uh, it's okay. I mean, you could have been Tom Hanks from Philadelphia. You still would have went to work. That's right. I've been pale and pasty in there before, although that's not really different from any other time. Um, yeah, <laughs> but, um, no, it's, it's funny because I, I, did you say you were cleaning? Cause yesterday I actually ended up cleaning the baby's room and putting a bunch oh. of stuff away. So apparently when we're sick, we just get the cleaning bug. That's a little, weird. well, well, they have remember to your son's vomiting on you. How many times? Oh, quite a few. Yeah. So there you go. It's seeped through your pores and now he's made you sick. Now you're one. And I don't want to get him sick either, you know. I don't know if oh, yeah. this can is something that he's going to get, or if it, maybe there's bad allergies. I don't know. So I'm just doing what I can to get to get better. And uh, I actually think, as we transition into what we did this weekend, yes. I actually think part of it is because I was on an airplane with like 170 other people getting that getting that recycled air, which is through the quote unquote air conditioning unit. Getting oh gosh. You know, they said that when they were had smoking on airplanes, the air was actually a lot cleaner because they actually had things to recycle the air and stuff like clean it out. Right. Where now, because nobody's smoking, you're just getting that same air. It's just going through the same hoses over and over again. It's, it's like a used condom. It's like a condom used by 20 dudes. <laughs> oh, God, that's terrible. Um, so I was actually on my way to Houston. Uh, for for the football gig that that I do on the weekends, and I won't say what airline we flew because this is a very interesting little thing that that I didn't know was a thing. So we're sitting there, we're getting ready to take off, and all of a sudden we see like this white smoke coming into the cabin, and everybody's like, "Well, this can't be good. We're getting ready to take off, and we're smoking on the inside." So eventually. The pilot comes over his little, ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking, overhead PA, and he says that it's just the air conditioning system, and it's the warm air outside, and the cool air in the plane, and that it will subside shortly. And I'm thinking, well, shouldn't somebody shut the door or something? Yeah. If we're getting ready to take off, should we be flying with the door open? So, I yeah. don't understand that. But, um, that was a good trip. 
Uh, it's actually Cody's old neck of the woods. I was down uh, in Houston, Texas, and uh, it's hot, man. I mean, well, yeah. You think it's hot it's here hot. in Virginia Beach? Our listeners in Texas, you know what I'm talking about. It's a different kind of humidity there is what it is. It's just this thick, deep humidity. Well, it's like, for example, you know you know how like when you people live in Arizona or out west or whatever, or even in Texas, they say, oh, it's a dry heat, it's a dry heat. Mm-hmm. That's a bunch of bullshit because when I was used to live in Los Angeles, I was coming back to New York, and one of my stops was in Phoenix. Now, mind you, this was in two, at 2 in the morning. So I get off the plane in Phoenix – and it just hits you, dude. Oh yeah. Like I'm like like and like oh it's 110 degrees, you know whatever. And you're like oh, okay, it's gonna be kind of dry, whatever. No, you get off it. It's like it just hits you like brute force, man. And it's just like oh dear God. I will say this: that the game was over in the heat of the day. So you know we pack up. I pack up the stuff. We walk outside because we were in air conditioning. I was where I was sitting was right by the air conditioner, so I was nice and cool. You walk out the door and it's like a punch in the face yeah it was that humid and i was only out in it for like maybe 15 20 minutes and i was just toast yeah it, it, it sucks dude like like i don't like i said people say you know it's hot it's hot you know it's like you get off the plane like i said that's the first thing you feel you know you, you get to get blasted like that though i mean it's a, it's a lot but how was houston by the way you said it was your first trip to texas um it was very cool uh i mean other than i mean i will say that the outskirts of town it looks like a bad mexican city okay you know like a, like so a, it, looks, it looks like juarez pretty yeah much. like a forgotten uh um like a slum area of juarez mexico once okay. you once you leave the airport but once you get in it's kind of separated into two into two sections and and Cody would know about this it's like downtown houston's on the left and then the right. medical center i swear the medical center takes up half the city there's this <laughs> gigantic medical center which is where our hotel was so i mean if you were going to get sick or if something bad was going to happen to you that was the place to be pretty much right i mean there right. were Every hospital type thing you could think of, they had these giant specialty buildings for everything. So it's wow. a nice big city that they had a nice little, you know, little train system that goes around the city if you wanted to go in that route. And uh, the university was the uh, Rice University is where we were. It was a very kind of a historic campus because they had a Super Bowl there at that stadium, and yeah. and and it was where JFK. Gave one of his most famous speeches in his presidency. I believe it was about putting a man on the moon, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, but unfortunately what JFK couldn't do was put people in seats. Because I saw pictures of the stadium during the game. Wow, dude. There was literally more people that showed up to our first live broadcast at Fancy Escape. Then at the football game, I know it was it was pretty sad. I felt I felt bad for the for the kids that were playing, but I mean it was a good time. It was a whirlwind trip, you know. It's one of those twenty four hour type deals, but uh, it was a lot of fun, and and I'm glad I got a chance to go to Texas because I've never been, and I get to have steak in Texas. That's how that it's was. Done. That's going to be the next question of have did you endure some great amazing Texas barbecue while you were down? There? I actually did. We when we got on the bus, get ready to go back to the plane. They had the barbecue waiting for us. Uh, nice brisket, can't go wrong with that. So I got to kind of get the best of both worlds while I was in Texas. Yeah, I, I envy you, sir, because while you were eating steak in Texas, I was pretty much, you know, working my football game as well. And, I was going to say, you, you, know, were eating, you were eating Pop-Tarts and rocking back. I was. I was eating Pop-Tarts and rock candy, you know. <laughs> um, no, it was just, 
you know, McDonald's or whatever. But I mean, no, it was just, you know, all I did was work. Like set, like the weekends, like I said, working in the, the type of radio that I work in, you know, weekends, you're pretty much working. And especially during football season. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, I was working and, you know, Sunday went to a uh, local uh, place up in Chesapeake to watch football with some of, of coworkers. And it was a lot of fun. You know, a lot of people showed up, great atmosphere. Fortunately, one of the guys that I sat with, you know, a coworker of mine, you know, he's a Bills fan. And unfortunately, you know, we had the Bills on the big screen. Of course, yep. they got stopped by San Diego. Yep, my wife wasn't happy about that either. She's a Bills fan. But I'm not going to lie, dude. Like, okay, the worst type of – the one type of fan I love, I love Cowboys fans. Only because – I know you're a Redskins fan. But the reason why I say that is because when Cowboys fans get pissed, they want to break shit. Like, like I've never – or either that or yeah. they'll say that the other team cheated or somehow. But it was great because a lot of the Cowboys fans that were there on Sunday, you could tell that they had money on the game because – they were just throw like getting yeah. pissed, like and just you know a buddy of mine who was actually emceeing the event. He actually said, "Hey, Cowboys fan, calm down, put the chair down." Like, the guy who had a chair, he was about to break the fucking stool. Dude, you're in public. This so, isn't your house where you can throw the remote at the TV. What is wrong with you? Well, you know, I, mean, I don't want to ask how much. The, I don't ask how much the guy had on the game, but like I said, it's, it's easy to spot your football fans from your your sports gamblers because your sports oh, gamblers yeah. lose their shit. You know, I mean, it, you know, it's just like I lost my shit when the when the, the Red Sox came back and beat the Yankees, what, 04, you know, like, or whatever it was. They won the first World Series in like a thousand years. And um, and I'm like, okay, I can't watch that. But I didn't get to the insane, like, I'm going to break something in my house kind of thing as I saw some people who have money on the games. I mean, it's just, it's it's in fucking yeah, insane. Don't, don't, don't bet on sports. Please. Just huh? don't bet. Just don't bet on sports. It ruins oh. it, man. It really does. It really does, you know, but I mean, that was my week. I mean, I didn't really do much. And then this week, it was just, you know, reading, reading stuff and just, you know, that was pretty much it. Just lo- just lounging, working, same old shit, different day, dude. That's the thing. You know, but that's not bad because that's what I'm going to do probably this weekend, especially being sick. Hopefully, I'll be over by then. But uh, I'm, I'm not working on Saturday like I typically would be. So I really need I really need one of those weekends where I can just chill do whatever I want to do, recharge my batteries, read some comics. Because, I mean, I feel like, you know, especially ever since the baby got here, and then seems like right after the baby came was my, was when I started working six days a week. And, you know, when you start working six days a week, man, it just drains your battery. So yeah. I need a break. Oh, yeah. Especially when you work six days a week, you got two jobs you work, like, you know, I, like I had. Like, I mean, it's, 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 it, it does drain you. It's like you look forward to that. Okay, even if, I, even if you have like a day where you only work the one get job, you're like, okay, I, can, I just got a half a day, quote unquote, so I can like relax and have whatever day, you know, hours to myself. But I mean, no, it was just that. And I just literally lounge and, and just watching Blacklist, dude. And that was just pretty much it. <laughs> Nothing special at all. We've been watching Blacklist as well, so I'm really enjoying that. But before it's we move on to, before we move on to what we're reading, I wanted to want to talk about Tidewater Comic Con. We're going to be there October the 18th, and the floor plan was yep. actually just announced. So you can actually go to TidewaterComicCon.com, or we posted it at Facebook.com slash DownNerdy. We're going to be at table 104. We can tell you that right now. Yes, and it's going to be exciting. We're right next to our buddy Bob over for Fantasy Escape. And I, again, just, I just want to thank, take a moment to, to thank Bob and tell people this is why your local comic shops are so important. When we started this podcast back in March, 
I told James, I said, you know, a year from now, it would be great if we were at a con. Like, if we had our own booth at a con, it would have been great. And we do our free comic book day thing at Bob's, and Bob literally loved it so much to where he said, you know what, you guys are so great, I'm going to buy you guys a booth at, at Tidewater Con. And he did that. And, you know, just from the bottom of my heart, I just want to personally thank Bob because without him, we wouldn't be we'd be doing this. That's right. No question about it. And, you know, for somebody like Bob, you know, who's local and whatever, to see what we did, I mean, he was told us, he said, you know, I was in my garage listening to the broadcast and he said he, he wanted to go leave and get a drink or something that he couldn't leave his garage. Right, right. He goes, it was just so good. You know, so it's great when you have people like Bob or just owners of, of, you know, institutions or whatever who just believe in the show. And we've had the show's been growing week by week by week. And, you know, we hope that, literally, we hope that if October, if Comic Con does so well to the point where we get a lot of new listeners, a lot of new followers, we hope to shop the show and, and get picked up by, you know, radio station, podcast network, or whatever, because that's what we want to do is we want to expand the brand, we want to expand it to you guys. And also, you know, have fun doing it, make some money while doing it. You know, because something that we love doing, we love bringing it to you guys. And again, just thank you, Bob, for for giving us this this opportunity. And you know, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. I gotta work in the morning, probably there about ten in the morning. So after my shift's over, but I'll I will uh, be there. I'm not gonna. Be, I don't think I'm gonna be cosplaying because mine's a little bit tight. But you know, it's still gonna be a fun time. I haven't decided whether I'm gonna do the cosplay thing yet or not, but we'll see. I mean, I don't think that's gonna take anything away from. The spectacle that is oh. uh, the down and nerdy broadcast at Tidewater Comic Con, but I also want to thank—I um, mean, you basically took the words right out of my right out of my mouth with Bob. I love Bob; he's a great guy. Uh, without him, he we wouldn't be where we're at right now. So I really appreciate him for that. I also want to thank Mike Federale, who's been on the show. He's uh, a lot by a lot of people don't see what he does behind the scenes, and he's been working really hard not to just pump up the con, but to welcome us with uh, open arms. And coming in, and I, we want to just thank Mike, Mike Federale, the Grand Poobah of Tidewater Comic Con, for having us as well. Exactly. So thank you, Mike. Thank you, Bob. And with that, coming up next, it's what we're reading. Stay tuned. More Diamond Nerdy come up after this. Well, it's that time again, boys and girls. Grab your boards. Grab your bags. Grab your comics out of the attic or whatever chest you have them in or bookshelf. Or under the bed like your dad's old porno mags because it's time for what we're reading. And I'm going to start us off this week, James. And I'm glad that we, you know, even though you're not here in my living room where we normally record the show from, we do are doing this on Skype, and I do have a webcam. So I decided to do the Adventures of Superman number five sixty seven, the Patrick nice. Vivian from 1999. Yes, awesome. And I kept this a secret from you for that reason because I'm like, I never done Superman before. It's an older comic. You know, it's not old, old, but it's an older comic. As I said, it was released in 99. Carl Kiesel did the plot. Jerry Ordway did the dialogue for it. Art's by Paul Ryan, not the politician. He did, <laughs> he did the layouts. That would be something. Dennis Reutier, he, did, he was the inker on it, and Glenn Whitmore was the color scientist. Now, the funny thing about this comic is that the plots bubble. The plot bubbles break the fourth wall, which is fantastic. Very cool. The first page is Superman. He's staring at pieces of LexCorp. Tower, uh, tower, and he's in it, was supposedly in Antarctica because somebody threw it at him. He was hit by it. And he goes, you know, after he realizes what happened, he, you know, the, the, the bubble says, you know, Superman pretty much goes and says, oh, they hit me with the Slice Core Tower. And then the plot bubble breaks the fourth wall underneath him and says, 
which you would have known if you had read Superman number 144, still on sale. <laughs> awesome. So the plot is this. Clark Kent, he's married to Lois Lane, and it turns out Dominus, who's pretty much, people don't know who he is, he's like DC's version of Picture Mysterio and Scarecrow, kind of in the same person. Nice. Who creates, he creates like these dreamscapes and illusions and stuff. And it takes place in a, in a Justice League universe, because Justice League make um, an appearance. You know, you see Batman in, a, in his Batcave and stuff like that. Um, but as Superman's fighting Dominus, a sentry who Clark Kent, you know, Superman created to protect Lois and kind of like do battle like with Lex Luthor and something like that when he's doing something else, you know, um, flies into the area which is radiated where Superman's fighting Dominus. Like I said, he has Lois Lane in his arms. And Lois Lane is kind of like, you know, bring me to Clark kind of thing. And the sentry's like, I can't. But Lois is like, let's, you know, anyway. So she somehow gets him to bring her to the area. And so Dominus destroys the sentry. And the sentry drops Lois on the ground. Wow. And she's not moving, dude. And Superman puts his guard down, stops what he's doing. And Lois isn't moving. Apparently, she's dead. And it turns out she that was an illusion. And oh, wow. He goes, he goes, you did this. And, and Dominus, because he created, you know, takes the memories out of Superman's head and portrays them, you know, you know, in front of him. And Superman has his guard down. So Dominus sends him to the Phantom Zone. And Dominus creates himself in Superman's image and calls himself Superman Rex. Wow. Now, mind you, when I said Lois looked like she wasn't there because of the panel, this is why I love the great coloring and penciling, the panel, when you looked at Lois's body, like the, her part of her torso looked see-through. So you're like, okay, she, she's part of his imagination. Well, apparently she was actually really there and she was lying on the ground. Wow. But she was alive. So she knows that Dominus isn't, Superman. She isn't, he isn't Clark Kent. Right. So she's pretty much the only one that knows this at this point. Other yes. than Superman himself. Yes. Now, mind you, they don't know where this is taking place. Like I said, the, the thing says Antarctica. But because it's Dominus, you don't know where they're really fighting. Right. And, but, uh, so for, for the story being, it takes place in Antarctica. So Lois is like, where is Clark and Dominus? This is, and this is literally the best cliffhanger I've ever read in my entire life goes and he says quote oh you'll never have to worry about him again Sentry override all previous commands kill lois lane and the comic the last page ends with the Sentry holding lois lane over his head like bane did with batman before he broke him wow and it ends with you know find out what happens in you know to that 566 so basically, you're going to be going to Bob's and scrambling through the back issues of Superman to see if you can find the next issue of this comic. Yeah, and that's the only con of this comic is that it's a back issue, so it's going to be hard to find the connecting issues, or at least the next issue. Because like I said, this was in 1999, and it has a number 19 underneath it, so I believe it's the 19th issue of what was going to be, you know, uh, I don't know how long the arc the run was. I couldn't find out the information on that. But no, it's just it's it literally had the best cliffhanger. The the art was fantastic for it being you know it was made in 1999, but it doesn't have the old comic look to it. Like it has that kind of current art look to it, which is fantastic. And and the uh, the cover I showed you the cover of what it looks like when you see that 
that got my attention just like with Spider-Man when he dies in the hand of Thanos. Oh, yeah, definitely. It grabs your attention because the background, you know, if you don't know what the cover looks like, it's essentially holding what appears to be a dead Lois Lane in his arms. And behind him is Superman covered in, surrounded by kryptonite radiation. And he looks like he's just down for the count dead pretty much. It's like the cover for uh, Crisis on Infinite Arts where it's Superman holding a dead Supergirl on the cover. And that's one of those things that just grabs your attention right away. It's like, wow, does this really happen kind of thing. Exactly. So for me, it's, it's a buy. Now, James, you also stayed in the DC Universe now, didn't you? Now, of course, well, that should be no surprise for me, but I've been talking about these Futures End uh, one-shots with the 3D covers at uh, Facebook.com slash Down and Nerdy a lot, and I mentioned it on the show before, so I decided, you know what, I need to stop talking about it and actually dive into one. I wanted to pick one because I know I've got my regular polls from DC, but I wanted to pick one that I wouldn't normally have my poll, so I decided to go with Green Arrow. Right. Uh, number one, it's, of course, the Future's M one-shot story by Jeff Laramie, who you should recognize from the Arrow TV series. Now, question, was that the one with the 3D cover on it? Yes. Or Tombstone? Okay. Yes, and it says, uh, here lies Oliver Queen, which is pretty awesome. And then, uh, like, a shadowy green arrow on the background, so it's awesome. Uh, Andrea, Andrea Sorrentino also with the story. We got colors by Marcelo Maliolo. There we go. Got it. Meliolo. Yay. Finally, you say a big confusing name. <laughs> I don't. Why do I always get the confusing names? Because you're, you're, you're cursed by it, sir. Apparently I am. And the letters are by Desi Santi. So here's the deal, though. One thing I want to point out before I get to the plot is one of the cool things about this book is that whenever there's a focal point right. in, in the comic, they turn it red and white and spot shadow it in the panel. So, for example... There's a panel where uh, Oliver Queen gets shot by an arrow uh, in the shoulder. Well, you think it's in the shoulder, but it actually goes through his suit. So it didn't actually hit his shoulder. It was just in the suit. And it's spot shadowed in white and red so you can actually see the focal point in the panel of where the arrow hits his, uh, hits his shoulders. I thought that was a very cool touch that they do that they do to these issues. Right. Now, if you're watching Arrow... This is a little bit of a deviation, but you recognize some of the names that are in this issue. And now this, for this one shot, it's five years later, and it takes place before the events of Future's End number one. Now, if you're reading Future's End, you know something very important happens to Oliver Queen in one of the first few issues. I don't want to do the spoiler. So if you're not reading Future's End, you want to start from the beginning. Uh, something very important happens to Oliver Queen, which is one of the reasons I wanted to pick this issue. Now, it starts out... He has full-on herpes. <laughs> You would, you would think so by now, but uh, we'll, we'll get to his family history here in a couple minutes. Um, it starts out with Emiko Queen, actually, okay. and she is the green arrow in this first panel, and she's got a sidekick named Dart, who's another girl, and they're, she's sort of inexperienced, and they're fighting Count Vertigo's uh, gang in Seattle. And that's right. how it starts out. They basically are, are introducing the fact that five years later, she's green arrow, not Oliver Queen. So they defeat Count Vertigo's people pretty easily. They're heading back to the Aero Cave, and they notice that there's a breach. So, you know, they go in on guard, and they find Oliver inside the Aero Cave, and he looks really beat up. Apparently, he hasn't been there in a while because he said he discovered something very dangerous. Now, again, if you've been reading Future's End, he's got this, what almost looks like if you were to go to Vegas and stay at the Pyramid, and you got, like, a little souvenir pyramid to, like, Imagine like a very mini looking pyramid, right? like a cheesy souvenir thing. So he's got that. 
And he says, if something happens to me, give this to Lois Lane. Huh. Now, if you're reading Future's End, that comes into play a little bit later on in Future's End as well. So now you know who gives this to Lois Lane, because that was always kind of a mystery as to who gave it to her. So now we know it came from Oliver Queen. Basically, right. he said he stumbled upon something that could destroy the entire world, but he doesn't want to say what it is. And he tells Emiko and this other girl, you know, don't follow me. I have to leave. You're the green arrow now. Goodbye. So he leaves and ends up going back to the island where he finds, dun da da Shadow. Nice. Now I know what you're thinking. You know, if you're watching Arrow, wait a minute. It's Shadow. How is that possible? Well, apparently... She's on the island, and you might recognize this name as well. She is kind of the de facto leader of the group, the Outsiders. Yes. Now, you remember Outsiders is Katana and Magus and a couple of other uh, members, and they kind of fight against corruption and governments and stuff. They actually had an arc uh, several years ago. I think it was in the late 80s, early 90s, Batman and the Outsiders. It was very cool. Um, So, basically, Shadow's really pissed at Oliver, and she told him apparently to never come back. To the island, but he came back because he wants to recruit them to help him in this battle. And right. of course, Emiko, being the defiant child that she is, follows him even though she said he tells her not to. Now it turns out Shadow, for those who don't know, is Emiko's mother. And she's mad at her because she chose Oliver over staying with her mother and the outsiders. Now, at first you kind of think, okay. So that means that Oliver is her father. You're thinking, you know, because of the relationship between Oliver and Shadow. Turns out, not so much. Robert Queen is her father. Mr. Ass Crusher himself. So Oliver's daddy is the real dad, and this is basically Oliver's (laughs) half-sister. Now, now Oliver says he wants to go here and make the peace because they need to fight for the greater good. And he basically starts describing the scenario. Basically, there are refugees from Earth 2, from the Earth 2 war that are brought to Earth 1, and they're having trouble integrating into society. Well, apparently some super-powered individuals from Earth 2 also made it across the space-time and were also now captured by a group called Cadmus, which, again, if you're reading Futures End, you know who Cadmus is. And they're experimenting on these superhumans to pretty much develop a way to kill all of them. Right. And make them vulnerable. So... They decide to bury the hatchet. Oliver actually says he'll join the Outsiders and not be Green Arrow anymore if they agree to do this. Now, one of the cool parts that happens in this issue is basically Oliver Queen kind of comes out of hiding. Everybody knows he's Green Arrow. He goes on a television show and kind of does like a little interview. He does kind of the Tony Stark, I am Iron Man kind of thing. Exactly. So what happens when this happens? It brings out Deathstroke, who's been looking for Oliver for a long time now. Now, Deathstroke, in this one shot, has this almost like this mechanized mask. It almost looks like evil robot Deathstroke kind of thing, but it's still... Yeah, I know what it looks like. It's, It's pretty insane. It's still Slade Wilson underneath, though. So, basically, they fight off for a while, and... At the end, he cap- he grabs Oliver and snaps his neck. Damn. Or so we think. Apparently, anybody who knows who Magus is in the DC Universe, he's an immortal, but he's also a shapeshifter. Nice. So it was Magus as Oliver Queen. So Oliver Queen faked his own death 
so he could go in to try and infiltrate Cadmus and take them down from the inside. So I thought that was just friggin' brilliant. That's a that's a really great twist. You know, you see something like that, like a death twist, and somebody you know not who it was, you know, kind of got brought with Superman. You know, it still had that little bit of a twist in there, but because it's kind of like, is it real? Is it not real? Who's dead? Who's not? But the fact, not only that, but they give him a good motive to fake his own death. Oh, Most yeah, time when somebody fakes their death, it's like they want to you know, infiltrate something or whatever. But for him, it's more than just infiltrating something. It's kind of like showing his worth and kind of getting back in the good graces of you know everybody else in the comic. It's funny too because um, and it, the the comic, the way it's drawn. Really, I don't want to. It's. I mean, this is kind of a bad pun, but I don't know how else to say it. It really draws you in. The uh, art really brings you into the issue, and it makes you want to turn the page. You know that sometimes you just find such good art that it just draws you in and makes you want to keep turning the page. So, fantastic job by uh, Marcelo Maliolo on the colors. Excellent, and the art is almost like. It's almost like kind of a Jai Lee inspired art. If you remember his work on uh, on uh, Batman, Superman, or the uh, X Men comics in the nineties, it's it seems like it's 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 almost like that, but with this kind of I want to maybe monotone is the best way to put it. It's almost yeah. like it just draws you in. It's so fantastic, and I'm thinking to myself as I'm reading this because I couldn't stop turning the pages. I'm thinking if all these one shots are this good, then I'm glad I got a bunch of them that I'm going to start reading now. Because it was just a fantastic story, and it kind of gives you a foreshadowing of what's what could happen five years from now, and it's a great kind of a look back once you start reading Future's End. It's a great rewind to go, oh, so that's why that is, and that's why this is. And the fact that they're focusing in on each individual character, right. a, it's such a smart thing to do. And I think what you said, you were saying, ta- telling us about when you were reading original sin, how you wanted this and DC is giving it to us with these future Zen one shots. Yeah, man, DC is just doing it right. They're doing it good. Of course, this seems more like, like a, like a pull for you or a buy because there's a one shot, but I mean, there's, it's like you said, there's multiple of them. And like I said, you look, you compare it to original sin, you know, the way that did that Marvel did it was, you know, for example, bring up Deadpool. Um, they would have certain comics that tied into Original Sin. Like, right. wasn't, they weren't like one-shots, but they were just like tied into it. And they weren't really like, okay, that wasn't it. Like Deadpool's, and this is a spoiler, but his Original Sin appears that he has a daughter and from like a long time ago. And now it's kind of like he, he's caught up and everything like that with his daughter and everything and in and, and current, and the current runs right now. But it was just like, okay, it wasn't much because it kind of hinted as if Okay, Wade Wilson killed his fa- killed his family. Right, but there was like no hint of that really. It was just a cover of like Deadpool and his parents with their faces crossed out, pretty much. But it was like it wasn't much. But with the one shot, so what DC what they're doing is they're harnessing in the strengths of 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 each main character, and it seems like what they're doing is retaining the surrounding characters and giving them elves that we never saw before. So you're giving something fresh, something new. Exactly. You, you, you see, the, you know the, everything about the main protagonist, but the people surrounding that protagonist, you're getting a, 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 a kind of like a little bit of change of face, kind of like a little bit of, little bit more delve into them. Right. You know, it's kind of like, you know, you took the Warriors 3 from Thor and just built upon them instead of, you know, just Thor himself. Right, exactly. So, 
So this this was a really great move by DC. DC, I'm telling you right now, they're killing it with these one shots. It's amazing. They, they really are, and and I think that and it was almost like the whole okay, Emiko Queen is Green Arrow now. Normally you go, what the hell? And but they do something that makes it sense, right? And they and then you can say, well, it's not Connor Hawk either, but then they tell you exactly why they're doing it, and it and it works out. So it's almost like, a, oh, okay, yeah, I'm okay with that now. So you don't get pissed off. When the original isn't there, because well, he re- he did end up being there in this instance. But um, so for these one shots, I know I can't really say pull. I would if I could, um, but I guess what I would say is you're probably already getting the one shots from stuff that's in your pull from DC anyway. So I guess what I could say is take a chance on one of these if you're not sure uh, if you want to pick up any of these one shots or if you're just wanting to pick up the ones from your pull. Just Take a chance on these because it sounds like they're going to be really, I'm not saying buy them all, but characters that you're interested in. Or if you've been reading Future's End, you're like, I wonder how this person ties in. Take a chance on them because it looks like they're really working out. Yeah, and that's going to do it for what we're reading. Come next, it's going to be a big expanded trailer talk. We're going to be talking the Gotham series premiere, talking Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. series season 2 premiere, and also... I'm going to review Tusk, the new horror comedy from Kevin Smith. Stay tuned. More Down Here coming up next. Whether it's large screens or small screens, we always give you a little bit of trailer talk here on Down and Nerdy. As a matter of fact, our main topic this week, we're going to be comparing the models that Marvel and DC are doing with their TV universe versus the movie universe. We'll be talking about that a little bit later on. But this week, Nick, we had some big stuff that we just couldn't not talk about. Oh, we did. I mean... You know, we had two big premieres as far as show goes. One from Marvel, one from DC. The first show we're going to talk about is, of course, Gotham. And, oh my God, could the killing of Bruce Wayne's parents be any more depressing? I got to tell you, if I was to rank that as to other versions of that. Now, I'm not talking about in comics. I'm talking about on screen. Right. I think that one might have been the most gut-wrenching version of the Wayne family being killed that I've ever seen. Well, I mean, there was also, remember, you know, we talk about the screen and how they were killed. There was a, a thing we posted on our Facebook page, shakespeare.com slash Don Nerdy, which pretty much had all of the iterations of them being shot yep. on television through the years, animated and, and live action. But, you know, I would say this right now. For everybody saying, oh, how can it be Gotham without Batman? Listen. The characters that are in this, Harvey Bullock, James Gordon, you know, even Alfred, they're very, very strong characters. They're very strongly oh, written. Definitely. Even, forgot, like, Penguin is literally my favorite character now. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, because Robin Lord Taylor does such a fantastic job on this show. I know that there's been some complaints that there was some overacting in the show. I think you're going to get a little bit of that because yeah. you, you've got larger than life personalities. Do you want to portray them flat? I don't think you do. No. And again, you know, people saying, oh, you know, there's no Batman. That's fine because, again, you know, the, the one downfall that could have that got them, you know, it hasn't done it yet. But here's a pitfall that could happen is that it falls in line with every one of these other cop shows. These are investigative law and order type of shows. You know, or whatever. Right. But it's not. I think that the, if you're if I had to describe Gotham, if somebody if there's somebody said they watch TV but they don't not sure about Gotham, how can I explain it to them? I'd say picture the Shield, but 
in the Batman universe. And by the and shield, that, you mean the Michael Chiklis show? Not, yes. Yeah. I just yes. wanted to clarify that. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Picture that, but in the, with the, with the, with the, with that kind of a Batman universe. And the reason why I say that is because Harvey Bullock is that Michael Chiklis kind of character. He's he, but, right now. He's kind of treading the line. If you know, I mean, just by reading Batman year one alone, you know, Harvey Bullock. Um, and you know that he makes a really sharp turn to the to the to the evil. Now, whether they decide to do this in Gotham or not, but right now he's really treading that line of ah, do I want to be a good guy or do I want to be a son of a bitch? So he's kind of on the fence right well, now. Well, just a son of a bitch, but somebody who you know, Carmine Falcone is one of the main big players in this. Which I don't remember him being mentioned. Do you? When they were talking about Gotham, that was a little bit oh. of a surprise to me. It was a surprise, and again, the 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 the, the Connection between Falcone and Gordon is phenomenal. It's great. Oh, that scene! That scene where oh. they meet up, and it's like it's it's. We don't want to give too much away because it's a fr- especially fresh new new show. You can go on Hulu and watch it. Uh, that's how I got it. But no, it's the, the scene between them, the exchange of words, and you find like, okay, what ties these two characters together? And it's this certain thing. It's like wow, like like you did it perfectly. It wasn't like okay, there's something illegal, and I, you know, it wasn't one of those things where, okay, for example, in the uh, Dark Knight, the Batman Begins, when you see that scene of Bruce Wayne meeting Falcone in the restaurant, you know, it's not kind of like that. It's not like oh, what a strange coincidence, we're both in the same spot. Right. It's like no, this is what happened. Like you know, they bring him along nicely. They don't force him in there. Now, one character I'll say this too is to calm people down. You know, Jada Pinkett Smith's character, Fish Moody. Listen, I understand that people probably don't like her a lot because she's not canon. She's not a canon right. character. But you have to realize that I don't think she's going to be a major. I don't think she's going to last past the first season. I said the same thing. I've been telling people the same thing. I said she's either a mid-season death or an end-of-the-season death, because we know... That's the beauty part about being Batman fans. You know what happens between Penguin and Falcone eventually. Especially if you're reading Batman Eternal. Yeah, you know the turn that it takes, and you know... And even though she's not canon, what it is is it's it's a connection. It's a rise to power for Penguin. He's got to overtake somebody, so why not stick her in there? Exactly. And with that, it's like, it's also, like I said, it's a connection too between Gordon. She's a bridge between Penguin and where he goes and Gordon and how he meets Carmine Falcone. Exactly. And that's, that's smart all writing. That's she's a bridge character. Yeah, she's, she's not going to be a major character. That's smart writing. You can't gloss over certain things because what's one of the, mo- what's one of the major complaints about pretty much any adaptation? Not enough character development. And it, from the first episode of Gotham, you can tell that character development and telling the origin stories properly is going to be a major focus of Gotham. Exactly. Like, for example, look at, you can tell, okay, well, where's Bruce Wayne going to go from here? You know, we got the young Bruce Wayne. Okay, well, they bring in Alfred. The guy who plays Alfred, wow. Like, like he, Oh, yeah. He, like, like, well, the thing is, like, no, that's and that's why I love about this show is that we never really got to see Bruce Wayne as a kid, his upbringing. We always right. saw the 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 millionaire playboy Bruce Wayne. You know, we we didn't see the young kid. We didn't see his upbringing. So Alfred, not only his butler, but his he's acting like a father figure in lieu of his dad Thomas. Exactly, and it looks like we're gonna get badass Alfred and not 
you know, you know, kind we're of frail special forces. Alfred. Yeah, we're gonna get special forces, Queen's Army, kind of Alfred. You know, that's how we're gonna. That's who we're gonna get. We're not gonna get. You know, we do have a. I mean, he has this part of a smart ass in the show, but he's not gonna be like the pushover smart ass type. He's gonna be more of like the stern, serious type. Kind of like how if you read his issue twenty one of Batman Eternal, with they have Alfred on the cover of it, right? I think it's twenty one or what or mid twenties. I think it's twenty one. I think you got it. Yeah, but. It's that kind of seriousness, Alfred, that we're getting. And I love that. And by and the way, that's not an Australian accent he has on the show. So everybody just relax. I've seen yeah. that as a complaint. It's not Australian, okay? Boy, Brits people talk to, like that, too. People love to nitpick, don't they? Oh, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later on with, uh, with the whole Catwoman thing. Or should we just talk about that now? Let's talk about that now. Because basically there's a lot of chatter about Catwoman... Selena Kyle witnessing the shooting of the Waynes. Right. And mind you, they said this next episode, she's going to be in the main focus as like Penguin was for this episode. Right. Um, you know, Selena Kyle is going to be more on her character in the second episode. Now we don't, again, this is not something they really delved deep into. Uh, I'm not going to be one of those people that kind of like justifies everything, but I am going to play devil's advocate just for a second. Okay. We don't know that she wasn't there. Right. Okay? This is a different angle that they're going to take. Every time this has been told, and it's the same thing with uh, with Spider-Man and the shooting of Uncle Ben. It's been told differently in several different adaptations. So why not give us an interesting little angle of, okay, maybe she was there. Maybe she did see it. Maybe that's why they've got this connection throughout their lives. And I think that we're finally going to get a focus actually on the connection between Selena Kyle and Bruce Wayne characters, even if it's from afar, I think this is going to be a very interesting uh, story that they're going to tell. Exactly. Cause the thing with, with Selena Kyle is that, and I can't tell you this, the girl they got to play her is literally like Michelle Pfeiffer. If she was, you know, a kid. Oh, I know. She looks a lot like Dead Michelle on. Pfeiffer. Dead on. And the movements were fluid. You know, they weren't, Stiff, and she was going like ladders and stuff like that. Yep. Like it was a cat-like reflexes, not to use a pun, but amazing. And you know, they had like another kid. They had poison ivy in there, and her backstory was like, okay, I can't. I mean, because if you read like Batman comics and you watch Gotham, you know, you know, not to spoil anything, but they think they got the killer. Turns out to be somebody who poison ivy knows. Ends up not really being him because right. names don't really match. But either way, you know, th- so they're trying to figure out how they can weave you know everybody's story together into this one connective tissue of a story and again you know not just that but just you know rarely do we watch tv a lot anymore and we see like the little easter eggs right we get them the easter eggs in here were great they really like, were like meet me like we're gonna meet you meet me on fourth and grundy i know oh, like, really fantastic. come on right exactly and of course there's um, the grundy connection with poison ivy as well too so. exactly um the scene where fish moody's in the watching the guy the comedian and we all know who the comedian you know especially if it, if you know death in the family if you read that there's you know he's like hey you know you can call me jay and i'm mr ochre and it's like oh Oh, he, they're going to go the failed comedian route with the Joker. And they did that in Killing Joke uh, as well. So now they did say, I was reading an interview with, uh, with the showrunner, and they said there's going to be a lot of misdirection with the Joker. We're going to make you think he's this guy or question whether right. it's this guy. So we don't know for sure that it's the comedian. It sure could be. 
But I think, and again, I, I, I love that they're going to do that. There's going to be a little sleight of hand, misdirection. Okay, maybe this guy's the Joker. Maybe this guy's the Joker. And I think it's going to be a while before we get to the Joker. But can I just say that to me, the possibility we might finally get an origin story for the Joker and kind of like a rise to becoming the psychopath, I am that, looking so forward to that. That would be great because, like I said, of all the... The villain's origins in all the comics, the Joker has the one where you don't know if it's true, you don't know what it is. He doesn't have really a true origin story. It's that so, mystery, and it always has been. And to finally, and to do it on TV is perfect because it gonna, it's going to give you the time to tell it in such great detail. Right. So, I mean, Gotham is one of those things where you got to watch every week. Like, yeah. I am hooked on it. It's great casting. Like I said, a little bit of overacting, but you know, you're going to get that. And can I just say before we move on to our next show, the, I mentioned that I love the Penguin character. The scene where he's in the alley and they say, hey, Oswald, do you want to whack at this guy with a bat? And he said yes, and he freaking loses it. Oh, yeah, that was amazing. Like when you have mob guys saying, hey, back off a little bit, damn. Yeah, he's going to be vicious. In this show, and I think that that's a that's not you don't see that from Penguin, uh, and a lot of other adaptations. But it's, it's going to be nice to see that side of him actually. Well, then you feel at first you felt bad for for Oswald because you know the, the way he's being treated. It's like oh, this is a guy who's this you know he's you feel for him, and they're and calling then, him Penguin too to make fun of him. Yeah, and that's the thing is like you feel sorry for him. And then, of course, at the end, he kind of flips that switch to pure evil. Right. Now, again, like you said, before we move on, I want to address another elephant in the room. I've been seeing this as a criticism, too, saying they introduced too many characters too fast. Okay. Pump the brakes there, people. Because, first of all, they introduced the Riddler for five seconds. Yes. It was a very quick thing. Uh, Even Catwoman didn't have a major... I mean, even though she was right in the beginning, it wasn't major. They also... I mean, the characters that they introduced... Yeah. They had to because it's essential to the main plot of the show. Yeah. I mean, clearly Penguin's going to be a major focus throughout the season. And you can't do that without tying Falcone in somehow. You've got to introduce Bullock. You've got to introduce major crimes, Montoya and those characters. All the characters that they introduced, and a lot of them were quick. It's the same thing I've been saying about Batman versus Superman, where they're going to... It's going to be one of those things where you're going to get quick two minutes if somebody's going to be in the next movie, or in this case, the next episode, and then you're going to move on. you got to introduce these characters now instead of throwing them in two or three episodes later, because that's their way of saying, okay, here's this person that's existing here. They'll be important later. Right. So that brings us to our next show. On, as we transition from DC to Marvel, we're going to Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 2 um, started, what was it, Wednesday night? And- yeah, Wednesday. Or Wednesday or Tuesday. Oh, wait, Wednesday no, it's Tuesday. I'm sorry. It's Tuesday it night. It's our Tuesday or Tuesday night, and I'm not gonna lie. I don't. I haven't watched any of the first season. Like I tried, but I just couldn't find really find any episodes right. online to find. And there's it's not on Netflix anymore. So I went into season two, first episode I've ever watched. You know, episode one, second season. Can I say this? I'll get to the main episode heaviness of the episode later on but i am if, if this episode did anything for me it all it did was get me so much more excited for agent carter that see that was exactly what i was going to say we'll 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 talk about shield here in a second but 
uh, that very beginning of the episode where they're hunting down that artifact. And I'll just say that so it's not a spoiler yeah. in case you still haven't watched it yet. Basically, it's foreshadowing backwards to the days of... It's basically, when you know when Agent Carter is going to be set. It's going to be set after uh, Steve Rogers. Yes. It supposedly goes into, into the drink. So um, when you see Agent Carter and then you see the Howling Commandos yeah. uh, coming up there with I her... I got excited when I saw Dum Dum Dugan, dude. I'm like, oh, God. You know, why does that have to be Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Why can't this be Agent Carter right now? Because, again, the you know... Well, my big thing with Agent Carter is this: is that it sets up the creation of Shield. Right. You know, it, 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 it it's a show with a great premise of how does Shield start and all those other things. Whereas in Marvel Agents of Shield, it's a lot of filler to me. It's a, to me it's 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 heavy filler between movies. It's funny because it's funny because with Agents of Shield, the way I felt last year was it started out interesting. Because they had, you know, the de- they were developing the characters and, and they were, you know, they were developing relationships. And you were starting to, you already knew about Coulson, but they were starting to develop, develop characters around him. Right. But then it hit a lull, like episode five, six, where you're like, why do I still care about this just because it's Marvel and I want it to be good? And if it wasn't for the events of the Winter Soldier and how they flipped that and put it into the show, into the whole Hydra versus S.H.I.E.L.D. thing. I think the show might not even be around anymore. Well, I don't know about I don't know about that because it's still a draw. I mean, it drew some good, some okay numbers. I mean, you know, the thing about this though, is the numbers wise, twelve point two million tuned in for the the debut of season one last year. Season two, only five point six million. Right, it's- and if you look at the comparison to, and I was talking about this on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash down and nerdy. You look at the comparison between the two. Look what Gotham was up against on Monday. It was up look, against Gang Theory and like the voice. Else. Yeah, I mean, I mean, granted, they, my Dancing with the Stars. Granted, they don't necessarily draw the same audiences, but pretty much every major program that people want to watch is on Monday night at eight o'clock. And Gotham averaged a three point two rating between the adults of eighteen to forty nine, which tied Scorpion, and it had eight point two million viewers. And Fox even said they foresee gr- that growing by 59% once the DVRs are tallied. Right, exactly. So, I mean, you look at Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., not really a lot of competition, 9 o'clock on Tuesday. So it's like, okay, how did you not draw for your second season premiere when you really didn't have any competition? I mean, Gotham also against Monday Night Football. Yeah, I mean, come on. How do you so draw like, against that? And, you know, okay, so we're going into the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode, and I'm like, okay... Literally, like, 10 minutes in, I'm like, I just want this to be over. I just want this to be over. I was literally, gonna, I was literally close to just qu- quitting on it because of, I'm like, no, I got to watch it for the show. I'm like, literally, like, I got to watch it for the show. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. It's funny so, because they really kind of, especially since you didn't watch the, the finale last year. They, but I felt like I didn't need to, though, because I'm like, I watched one. Once you see Winter Soldier, you kind of don't need to know what happens. The funny you know, thing is, though, is... But as far as the characters go, they kind of jumped ahead a lot, it seemed like. I mean, oh, yeah. you, you knew Coulson was going to take over as the new director, kind of try and rebuild S.H.I.E.L.D. We knew that from the finale last year. Um, but, like, the Sky character, all of a sudden she's this lead operative, and she was still kind of wet behind the ears. I mean, she was starting to come into her own, but she was kind of still wet behind the ears in the finale last year, and all of a sudden she's like this lead agent kind of thing and she's being they they mentioned that she's being trained by agent may and that's all well and good but it's like where the hell did the time go and right. where are we at right now 
Yeah, because there was no there was no context of what year or where you are. Like, oh, how many months later? It's just here we are, we're right here. And, and it was very bizarre. And, and Patton Oswalt, like I love Patton, but you can tell he's trying to do so much with the Lily he has. Yeah, and it's funny too because uh, first of all, the best thing about this episode was the, was the absorbing man. Yeah, I thought they did a good job with him. I know that they didn't get the ball and chain thing right. Relax. I, we might get there. He's clearly going to be a recurring character on, on the show. So, you know, give it time. They'll get there. Uh, but I got to be honest. And I, and I was excited for Lucy Lawless uh, to be. Yeah, to be in this. but her character, though, when you see it, it's like, oh. Right. Okay. She was a throw in, it seemed like. she. They, to me, here's what happened. I think that they saw how literally this is why God of her character, especially when she's first introduced, they tried to make her like they do a James Spader in Blacklist, and it failed because she's not that character. You know, no, she just doesn't. James Spader is a fantastic actor, and he plays that role so well. And I'm not saying Lucy Lawless isn't a great actress, but but you can tell that they tried the way that she's introduced. You can tell they tried to. Get, you know what I'm saying? It's square peg. It's square peg yeah. and round hole. Yeah, is what it is. She she was a throw in. Now, did she was she kind of a badass in spots? Sure, she was because she's still Lucy Lawless. And that's but in the end, though, but in the end, though, I felt that that badassery of hers really was erased when she she did that really stupid ass thing towards the end of the episode. I know. Why would you do that? It's like why pick it up? That was that was stupid to me. I I understand. That, you know, maybe curiosity gets the best of you. I don't know. But she picks it up. And I'm like, really? Come on. And I know she doesn't know. But if you don't know, why would you touch it? It's an alien artifact. And you touch it. <laughs> it's different, like, with, you know, like kids touching the stove. I know I'm going to have to tell my son when he gets older, don't touch the stove. It's hot. Because he's a child. He doesn't know. You're an adult. If you don't know what this alien thing is, don't friggin' touch it. Yeah. I mean, come on. Why would you do that? And I'm sure that'll play into something down the line. I know I'm not stupid. It's going to give us something down the line. I get it. I'm relaxing. I just still think it's dumb. Yeah, but I mean, like I said, if Age of Shield, I'm like, this is, I'm like, this is why I don't watch the show. Well, remember I told you last year that it kind of started slow. Right. And, and then it hit a lull. I mean, the first episode was okay. I thought they did an okay job with it last year with the premiere. It definitely made me want to keep watching, but I wasn't wowed by it. And maybe that was because I, I was such a fan of Arrow and how they did that. Maybe that had something to do with it. But now that I see the season two premiere, and I even told you this off the air, I said they need to start strong to keep people this time. And I just don't feel like they started strong. No, and I tell you something too. Colson's the new head of S.H.I.E.L.D., but that scene where they're at the army gates and they're trying to get in and he voice commands, you know, over Tal, you know, the, the, you know, so he sounds like Talbot. You're telling me he doesn't know how to like talk like a general, you know, at least convincing. See, that's the thing that frustrates me about Marvel. Sometimes. He's, supposed, he's fucking Coulson. He's supposed, he's right. the head of shield. You should know how like to sound authoritative and stuff. And you just, and when Pat Oswald's doing the whole no 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 kind of thing, you can tell Pat Oswald's just saying, Clark Gregg, no, don't do it. Right. Don't do it, Clark Gregg, no. And it, he does it. And you're like, oh, damn. To really? Me, to me, this is what frustrates me about Marvel sometimes. Sometimes Marvel tries so hard to be funny when it's unnecessary. Yes. You know what I mean? And I realize you want to work the humor in, and they do do a very good job at that. But, you know, we don't need it 
all the time. You can relax and not do that sometimes. And here's a question. What do you think of the twist with Fitz at the end? Um, I thought it was kind of depressing. I hate it because it's depressing. Um, because to me, those characters work so well together. But alone, it doesn't work. And I don't need to torture Fitz. He was already tortured. He was basically the guy that we all grew up as that had those moments where we were in the friend zone for like a year and couldn't get out. And you're he was the guy in every high school who was giving that that his his girl that girl he likes was his friend those mixtapes every day. Exactly, and never happened. So and so now not only do we do that to him and not only do we mess him up in the last season but now we find out he's got brain damage and yes. that and that uh Simmons isn't really there but she's like in his head and I'm like come on you're going to do the guy like that that's I it's mean, like Marvel. Do you not see what you're doing with Hulk? You're fucked up, Hulk. Don't do this. Don't give anybody else brain damage in your fucking shows and or you, your properties. You feel for the guy, and it's a kid. He was one of the more popular characters last season, just because of the byplay between them. And I loved Fitz and Simmons together. Well, like, but if they're gonna it, do this, uh, that's depressing, man. It is. If they do that thing where it's like, oh, like really, like, like, like I, I was, I didn't almost cry, but I just felt so bad because I'm like, oh god, because the, the the way they set it up, because you know, Cole's talking about like how he might not be used to us anymore. Right. You know, he's too much of a liability. Da da da. It's like, man, you're just gonna do that guy hard, aren't you? Like, you know, phrasing, I know. But you know you're gonna be you know you're gonna give him the short end of the stick, pretty much. You, you, what he's done, done for a, you. The, you've done enough to him already. Yeah. And now you're gonna pile it on by doing by doing this. I just plus ah. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry, but you know I think that when you give somebody mental damage or brain damage, I think it's the cheapest way to get um, people feeling for somebody. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I agree. Yeah. You know where it's like we don't. There's no other way that you know. It's, it's to me, it's the cheapest way of getting a character quote unquote soul in a in a show or a movie because it's like, oh, I'm supposed to like this person. And here's what, because he's mentally dam- brain damaged, not right. because, you know, whatever, but because he's, something's wrong with him. I'm supposed to feel for him. You know, the manipulation, that's what I don't like. I don't like the manipulation of feelings towards a character like that. Here's my thing, though, and, and I think the, they got this wrong. We already cared about the character. And that's the thing. You didn't need to give us a reason to care about him. We already cared about him. And now you're screwing with him, and that's not cool. Yeah, but I mean, so okay, so we gave Gotham a watch it. Okay, Agents of Shield. What would you do, James? Would you watch it, skip it, or DVR it? I would DVR it. Um, I'm gonna stick with it, but because I, I don't want to not watch it. I, I still I'm still on that whole I want it to be good thing, but I don't know how much longer I can I can let it go because it's just not. It's not living up to expectations. Now, I am super psyched for Agent Carter, and I think that Agent Carter is going to be leaps and bounds better than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay, so here's how we're going to do this now. You're going to be Rose, and you're on the the door that you, that's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm Jack, and I want you just to release me into the depths of the North Atlantic Ocean so I can no longer have to be affiliated with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> I will absolve you of any future obligations as it comes to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but our final thing for for uh, trailer talk this week is something that I saw, James, I'm not sure if you saw over the weekend, um, but we love Kevin Smith on the show. Oh, yeah. We, comic book men, we love him. We love him. Filmmaker, he's had some hits. He's had some misses. Haven't they all? But when I when you heard about his movie Tusk, 
What was your first reaction to it? Well, I mean, we we talked about the trailer. I think it was right around Comic Con that uh, that yeah. we reviewed the trailer and talked about it. My first thought when I saw it was, man, this is messed up, but man, it's kind of brilliant at the same time because who thinks of something like this? Right now, if people don't know, um, the the movie Tusk was based off of an episode of Smodcast. It was episode two forty nine, I believe. It's called The Walrus and the Carpenter. And Kevin Smith and his co-host, they were, they were high, and they were talking about this Craigslist ad for a guy in London um, or England. And he pretty much had his Craigslist ad for, hey, free room and board for whomever wants to do, you know, be my roommate. There's only one stipulation about it, is that for two hours a day, every day, you, I, you'll be in this walrus suit that I made, and you'll have to act like a walrus. I'll feed you a mackerel. And you have to – you can't talk like a human. You have to be full-on walrus. Two and hours, Kevin, though. That's <laughs> – two hours? Really? Come on. Yeah. And um, Kevin Smith was like – and that's when they got to thinking like, whoa, well, what if this guy is really demented? Like he wants you to be a walrus. What if being a walrus like means he actually turns you, like surgically turns you into a walrus or put you in a suit or whatever like that. And he just thought this idea. And – you know, so here, so he said, you know, at the end of the podcast, Walrus, yes, Walrus, no, should we make this movie? Now, the movie was, I know, and based on a joke, pretty much. It's based on a joke premise. Hence why I think the movie is a horror comedy. Now, let me just say this the horror aspect, if this movie was just a straight on horror film or a serious film, kind of like Red State, like I loved Red State. Um, if it was a serious film throughout the entire thing, try not to be funny. It had it was gonna be it would have been so much better than what it was, right? Because the comedy aspect, none of the jokes really hit. I mean, I was in the theater with probably seven people. I saw this on Sunday, and uh, I was in the theater with seven people, and when the jokes were hitting, like nobody was laughing. Like when the joke, when people say like lines or lines trying to be funny, nobody was laughing. It That's was just tough. That's silence. Tough. Um, and Justin Long plays this podcaster named Wallace. And he, he and Haley Joel Osment, who used to see dead people, now he sees his buffets because, God damn, that guy got huge. Yeah, what happened um, there? <laughs> um, like I said, he just he sees buffets now, man. He sees those all the time now. It's that dead people. But they have this podcast called The Nazi Party. Yes, they have a podcast called The Nazi Party, N-O-T-S-E-E Party. The premise of it is Justin Long goes around the country – and interviews these weird, crazy people. Like these, these, these. He was supposed to go to Canada and interview with who, this guy called the Kill Bill Kid, who was this kid who cut his leg off. He was practicing all his moves with a katana, like Kill Bill. And the Jalasman character, because he doesn't like flying, stays, and Wallace comes back and and tells him these stories. Hence the Nazi Party, which right. I thought was fucking retarded. Um, because they're like, oh, I made so much money off this. Like, dude, who, what company would buy ad space for something called the Nazi party? <laughs> it's like, I see what you did there. Not sure it's cool, but I see what you did there. Well, no, it's just, it's not, you know, cool is one thing, but it's like, kind of like, like I said, if you're a company and you say, okay, I want to buy ad space, you know, on this podcast and it's called this, even though it's not what, it, you know, the, how the name sounds, who would want to do that? Yeah, Anyways. I mean, it's a play on words, but still, I, but still, I see your point. Um, so anyways... He goes to meet now, mind you, the CG in here is horrible. It's it's really bad. They show like kid cutting his leg off in the beginning. It's in the beginning of the movie. You know that's why he's gonna go interview him. You know it's very badly done. 
And I understand the movie was made for like $2 million on a budget, you know, and they shot it in North Carolina. Um, but so anyways, he goes to visit him and, and I understand that, you know, he goes to visit him, but turns out that he's dead. Like the kid commits suicide. And so he's like, oh shit. So he's kind of like, well, I spent money on a plane ticket. I need to interview somebody. So he's in a stall and he finds this, this note. And on this note, it's pretty much, you know, Michael Parker's character saying, Hello, I am a former midshipman, you know, lost at sea, have amazing stories to tell. Find me over here and, you know, buy Frost, which was like two, three hours away from outside of Winnipeg and middle of nowhere. So he calls him up, Justin Long does, and goes visits him. Now, mind you, Justin Long, the entire movie, he's an asshole. Like, he is a bona fide asshole. There's no redeeming quality of him where you're like, okay, when he's being turned into a walrus, you're like, I don't feel, you're like, Oh, I should feel for this guy because what he's doing is happening. Right. Pretty much I was sitting in the theater and I was like, dude, I can't wait for you to get turned to a fucking Wallace man because you deserve every goddamn thing that happens to Which you. Which is funny because in the trailer, that doesn't come across at all. No. You don't but think he's, that he's an ass, but if I, I guess they really made that turn then. So fast forward, he meets Michael Parks and start talking. Parks, you know, knocks him out, drugs him pretty much. Your stereotypical, I'm going to yeah. kidnap you kind of thing. Yep. And um, so... I'm going to get to the main part where of him turning to a wall is what it looked like. I'll get to that after because it pissed me off so much. I'm going to save it for last. Where this movie comes to a screeching halt as if it wasn't just literally tr- just getting s- slowly over the lines was they have this, and I'm going to spoil this right now. So people, it's not, you know, people who you don't want to listen to it now, you know, fast forward a little bit. They have a cameo in there, but you can't tell who it, who it, who it is because the person under heavy makeup, it's Johnny Depp. And he plays this Inspector Clouseau-esque detective. And the entire time, there's a scene with him in Michael Parks. Like He's like, oh, years ago, I thought I encountered this guy. And there's just having a scene with him in Parks. Every, t- every time Johnny Depp was on screen, this movie just comes to a screeching halt. And and it was just like, oh, my God, just shut the fuck up. It was, it was like the George Carlin bit where he's like, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Because that's what it was with me. I'm just like, fast forward. Jesus Christ. I don't care. Like, and people in the, in, the, in the theater were like, oh, my God. Move the fuck on with this. You know? And, and So, basically, it was, it was shoving Johnny Depp in our faces for several parts in the movie. Pretty much. I mean, he shows up more towards, like, after, a little after the second act, towards the end of the second act. It's... But they try to do, but they try to do comedy with him. It's like it just doesn't work. And it's like, funny. Like, it's like that action figure that you got, but your friend didn't get. So you went over to his house and like shoved it in his face. Like, look what I got. Look what I got. Like Kevin Smith saying, "I got Johnny Depp. I got Johnny Depp." Yeah, and then you want to take Johnny Depp. You want to break him over your fucking knee. You know, like he, like you said, it just stopped. He served no purpose in this movie whatsoever. Just to say, "Hey, look who we got," and let's slow the movie down. Like I said, if it was a base on a strict, if it was a base like on a strict horror film, this would have been so much better, so much better. Now I'm going to get to the final part, which is okay. What did he look like after he was transformed to a walrus? He's in a fucking rubber bodysuit. Oh, dude! It's a walrus suit made of quote unquote human skin, but it's rubber. It's fucking rubber. It looks like cheap rubber you saw in the sci-fi movies back in the '90s. It wow. was fucking horrible. Wow. And you didn't think that because you saw like the, the, the outlines, like, okay, how the surgery outlines. Right. And you're like, okay, he's going to be like this man beast kind of thing, which would have been awesome. That's what I expected. Honestly. But it's not. It's just Justin Long 
in a walrus suit. That's it. Is that the gag, though, you think? Yes and no. It's almost like, okay, you're waiting for this thing, and then the la- the final gag is we're going to show you this, and it's going to be the ha-ha moment. No, because it, it, it's more of the, you know, if it was, it's more of the fuck you moment. Like, I paid my money to go see this, see what he's like. And it's the thing, they never, they, this is the brilliant thing that they did, was they didn't show what he looked like, you know, in the final So they form. kept it a secret until, like, the end. They kept it like, yeah, it was, well, not really. It's towards the middle part of the movie. They show him what he looks like and stuff like that. And he's, you know, the walrus predominant and stuff. Right. But, I mean, I'm talking about, like, through, like, the trailers and the, the, the promos. Oh, right, 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 right. They never showed you what he looked like, you know? And they show you in the movie, and you're just like, really? I, w- I used my money to see this? Oh, well, now really? you know why Fuck they didn't show you. Kevin Smith. <laughs> like, and I, I love Kevin Smith, but, dude, I understand it's a joke. I understand it's everything else, but... And he and Justin Long, I was listening to an interview with him earlier this week, and he said, you know, Kevin Warren's like, hey, you know, about the, you know, the critics, don't worry about what the critics say. It's like, dude, this shit sucks. Like, I'm sorry. Like, he had Halo characters. Genesis Rodriguez, I felt sorry for her character because it's like she got the short end of the fucking stick on this pretty much. Um, the twist with her in the movie isn't really much of anything. It's not like, okay, whatever. The ending, it's something like out of a fucking sci-fi movie, pretty much. It's 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 fucking st- stupid. And like I said, it's it's just a long in a rubber suit. You know, he wasn't like a yeah. dude, you know, he had he still had human components to him, but he had like tusks and stuff like that, and he had one hand was a flipper or whatever. Right. Which would have been awesome. But it's like, nope, walrus suit, rubber suit, here you go, looks totally fake. Boom, let's go. Which is funny because, I mean, I realize, like you said, they're working on a reduced budget, but you think if you were going to splurge on something, it would be your big payoff, which is that. What's the thing is that, they, is that they, the gore effect, they didn't, it was, that's what I liked about it, is that it wasn't like Human Centipede where it wasn't like Torture Point, it wasn't like Hostile. You know, they, they showed bl- the bloody instruments, showed Michael Parks sewing up Justin Long's arms, and, you know, they didn't show him cutting off his legs or whatever like that. Um... It was just like the finished product kind of thing, which I like. So I'm like, okay, you don't need to do the whole torture porn. Right. You get it kind of thing, which I like. Right. Um, but it's again, it's like this movie. If I had to rate it, I give it like a half a star. It's like it's literally one of those movies wow. where it's literally one of those movies where if you have literally nothing to do, like literally, like if you don't smoke weed, and I mean if you have literally nothing to do, if the thought of of you know playing in traffic. Doesn't come across your mind. Watch this movie. Spend the hour and a half, two hours watching it, knowing that you're not gonna get much out of it. Go into this movie not expecting. Oh, it's a Kevin Smith movie. Go into it expecting. Oh my god, I'm gonna watch a sci-fi movie. Okay, so I'm gonna make I'm gonna make you do an unfair comparison here. Okay. Okay. So just as an overall product, better yeah. or worse than Transformers: Age of, Age of Extinction? See, that's not even fair because they're not even two of the same genre. Right, but as far as I thought this movie was bad and I thought this movie was bad, which one was worse? God. Um, I just want to see how far you're willing to go. (laughs) (laughs) Fucker. I would have to say, yeah, I I would have to definitely go with Transformers on this. Wow. So, what well, the Transformers was really bad. <laughs> yeah. Um. I, I mean, I get. It. Do, do you think you held this to a little bit of a higher standard because it was Kevin Smith? I was. Opti- I was. I went to this optimistic. I went to this knowing, okay, it's not getting good reviews, but I'm going here optimistic, and I was let down. Like, like I said, like it's it's not a great movie. It's not good. Like I said, it's one of those movies where if you have literally nothing, absolutely nothing to do, 
you know, you want to waste two hours of your life or whatever, watch this movie because you're not, there's no redeeming qualities in it. At least with Transformers, yeah, it's bad, but going in, you know it's bad. You know what I'm saying? Right, with right. this, it's like there's so much hype and so much like, oh my God, what's it going to look like? What's it going to look like? And you get to it and it's like, oh, okay, I just wasted a load on this. I, I mean, mean, I mean, you know that they treated the Dinobots like bitches in Transformers, but at least you got to see the Dinobots yeah. and that was cool. Yeah. So, I mean, like, if, like I said, it's, to me, it's, it's nothing but as a sci-fi movie that's in theaters pretty much. That's a shame. That's a shame. And it saddens me because I like Kevin Smith a lot, you know. But again, and people don't think I'm just ragging on Kevin Smith, ragging on Kevin Smith. I like Kevin Smith, but I'm sorry. It's my duty to review a film honestly. Yeah, you, well, we're not just here because just because he's you know one of the kings of the nerds here doesn't mean we're gonna we're gonna kiss his ass and treat him like royalty. No, if he's screwed up and he didn't put out a good product, I mean, I think he would appreciate. It. We're gonna call him out on that. Yeah, but that's gonna do with my review of Tusk. I'm pissed. Coming up next, it's nerd news. We got some couple other enraging things to talk about there, so stay tuned. More things and Dinary come up next. Well, boys and girls, I just got loaded up on a bunch of happy pills, and it's time to go around the internet, James, because it's time for what? Nerd, nerd news. news! Way to be late there, asshole. First story. Robert Orchie is dropping out of the Power Rangers to pretty much focus on the new Star Trek movie. And I gotta tell you, I think this is just what he does now, because first he drops out of Spider-Man to join Power Rangers and do the Star Trek movie. Now he's like, ah, you know what? This is too much. I think I'll just focus on the Star Trek movie. Well, there's a course according to deadline and they said his schedule for upcoming Star Trek three, he had to drop it. And you know, for the big screen reboot Power Rangers and he completed the first draft for, for Star Trek three. And the thing is though, I'm sorry, but as someone who likes Power Rangers and seeing that this is the same guy who, you know, did, you know, worked on Transformers, Amazing Spider-Man, you know, he hasn't really had a great track record. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for yeah, this. Yeah, and you know what? It's funny because I didn't really think he was suited for Power Rangers anyway. No. I really thought that it was one of those, oh, okay, so they just grabbed a name of somebody that's worked on something else, and they decided to go with him. And I don't think he suits the the screenwriters that they pick, uh, Zach Stentz and Ashley Miller, who did X-Men First Class and Thor. He doesn't fit with no. them. I mean, so it wasn't going to be... A, it wasn't going to be a good relationship between the writers and the and the director. So I'm I think that this is the right way to go too. And and if he wants to focus on Star Trek three, that's fine because obviously that should be a main focus. And I, and he's kind of right. You shouldn't focus on what's what should be two major entities at the same time. Right. And the thing is with with Star Trek, like I didn't like Into Darkness. Cause I thought it was literally a shot for shot of Wrath of Khan. Except they just swapped a couple, you know, I swapped people out for certain scenes. Yeah, we, we know how you felt about Star Trek Into Darkness. Yep, but with the power you're saying, like, from what I'm hearing from early scripts, sources and stuff like that, it's going to pretty much be like, like, J- like Dave, Jason David Frank, who played Tommy, he's going to be one of the main people in it, but they're saying he might be playing more of a Zordon role, which would be awesome. Um, but no, like, I'm excited for Power Rangers because it's like, they got, I love the writers I got for it. I mean, there hasn't been a Power Rangers movie since 97. It's been a while, so, yeah. You know, I love the first Power Ranger movie. So I was seven years old in 1995, and it was my friend Pat's birthday party, and he was seven as well. So his mom decided to take us to see my wife Power Rangers movie. Now it was the second time I saw the movie, and the funny thing was that the scene where Ivan uses bug bots, is whatever they're called, um, get powered up and they get life put into them pretty much, and they come alive. 
I was sitting next to Pat, and next to me, I hear Pat going, Mom! Mom! Freaking the fuck out, dude. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm seven. We're both seven at the time. Like, Pat, calm down. It's not real. Pat, it's not real. It's going to be, it's going to be okay, buddy. Look at me. It's going to be okay. And it was like the first, it was like my first father-son moment, pretty much. Wow. Uh, which I, I know you're going to have to deal with, with your son when that happens. So, uh, no, but I think I'm excited for it. I'm so excited for a new Pondra film. And I, I'm glad that Orch is not on it anymore. Now, something, James, that's infuriating me lately is Marvel. And it's pretty much they're wanting to kill off their characters. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And this time we're going to go with one that really doesn't make any sense. And that is Deadpool. They actually said that Marvel says that someone with dead in their name will actually die in March of 2015. And the only question I can ask is, well, to clarify the name thing, the only other Marvel character with dead in their name is, was dead girl of ecstatics, but I doubt they're going to do something with her. And they said that when you know, it'll happen in the 250th issue. Now, when you add up all the Deadpool comics and arcs, number 42 will be a 250th issue. As for why, well, let's see. There's a Deadpool movie happening until it gets in put in post-production hell again. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing. We don't even know for yeah, sure so that this is like, happening. Like, they're doing Wolverine. They're killing off Wolverine. Okay, here's why they're going to do it. They're going to kill him off. They're going to bring him back when the new Wolverine movie comes out. They're going to sell. They think they're going to sell more comics. Wolverine coming back. Whatever. Deadpool. You can't right. kill fucking Deadpool. I'm fucking sorry, but you just can't. He's Deadpool. He has Wolverine's blood. That's what gives him the healing factor and everything else. You can't do it. You really can't, dude. You can dismember Deadpool, and he can still come back together. Do they not understand this at all? It's fucking horrible. Here's my thing. It's like, and I've said this about Marvel several times, so I'm gonna say it one more time. It's, it's okay, we're out of ideas, we're not selling as many comics as we think we should, so we'll just and you kill you have all these Deadpool arcs coming now. across. If anything, I worry that Deadpool's going to be too much in the Marvel limelight because he has all these different arcs that he's involved in. Like, I go to Bob's to pick up my books, I got like five new Deadpool comics. I don't mind, but I fear that he's going to be stretched out that's, a little too far. That's what happens to me with Batman, too. I end up with like four or five Batman books. I'm like, how did this happen? But, I mean, I get it's a major character, and I mean, I know you're a huge Deadpool fan, and he's probably one of, he, if not your favorite in all character comics, in the Marvel Universe right now. He's my top three favorite characters from comics. Spider-Man's number one, Deadpool's two, Batman three. So, I mean, I just don't understand why is this, why the incessant need to constantly change everything, especially when I think you'd probably admit that Deadpool is yes. probably at the height the of his is, popularity like, okay, right now. Okay, you do decide to kill him off. What happens if the movie falls into more production hell and it doesn't come out until like another four or five years? You can't you keep Deadpool dead that long because, whoops, our marketing strategy backfired on us. Yeah, and that could actually, and that could absolutely happen. Look at Fantastic Four; they've actually delayed Fantastic Four now because of this Deadpool movie, and they got rid of, they uh, canceled the Ultimate Fantastic Four, which I know was kind of more of a retaliation for right. how they felt like the movie was being treated than anything else. But now you're doing this, and like you said, right. this is a I big, understand big it. risk I mean, it's a gimmick, right now. But at least when they killed off Superman years ago, at least it was, it was more of like a joke of like, hey, wh- what can we do with him now? How about we just kill him? Okay, sounds great. Well, Deadpool, it's like, okay, like Wolverine, I can understand Death of Wolverine. That's because that's pretty big and it's, you know, whatever. But Deadpool, really, like, especially if, you know, I've, I came, I, as far as I can remember, 
I don't remember any scenes of Wolverine being dismembered on like Deadpool. No. No, I mean, the closest thing is uh, Days of Future Past when he gets the metal girders uh, in his chest from uh, Magneto. So I'm just like, but other I don't, than that, makes no, sense. I can't think it of does, it If Marvel does this, they kill off Deadpool, fuck you, Marvel. Like, like, like seriously, like, I would probably be done with Marvel if they kill off Deadpool. They say we're going to kill off Deadpool. I just don't understand that. And I thought they were doing a good thing with the with the versus thing that they had going on with Deadpool. And I don't understand why it's their idea is either to kill a character or completely make him a different person. Can you really can you really not write properly? Can you really not have ideas on how to sell comics? You can't write a decent story. So you're going to write a death of story. And then the way you're going to sell more Deadpool comics is to bring him back. And then the, the demand will obviously be there. You got to be able to create demand. Without killing right. the character it's just or like, completely I, I changing it, who they are, like I just don't like. I, I don't. I don't understand it. it uh, it's, it's puzzling. I don't know why it would. Of all the characters, you can understand killing off characters is a major trope in comics. But like you said, either write something good. And the thing is, like the Deadpool comics have been amazing so far. Why would you want to end that at all? Right. And, and I'm not even saying that you can't kill off characters. I'm not saying that at all. But like I know those. Well, there's been. Plenty of Robins that died. First of all, it's freaking Robin, okay? Let's not put... Let's put this into perspective here. I like Robin, but it's still Robin. He's a sidekick. Deadpool has turned himself into a main character in the Marvel Universe. And this isn't just about Deadpool. This is about other characters in the Marvel Universe. Well, they're doing like the same said, okay, exact kill thing. Kill to... They said be on the 40th issue. Deadpool right now is at issue 34. Yeah, so that's like right around the corner. So... I mean, March of 2015, I th- if you do the quick math, I, I guess that kind of evens out. But I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know why why you do this. I mean, you've got, you sh- you've got to be able to introduce more interesting arc for him. It's Deadpool. It can't be that no, difficult can't. to find so, an interesting story. That's my rant on Marvel. But now, going to gaming, James. Now, Blizzard, this is pretty much the biggest news of the week, I think. Blizzard, for seven years, had, tight, had this game called Titan in production for about seven years. Now, it was going to be a massive multiplayer PC game where you can both maintain non-combat professions and shoot, print your way through death matches. It was a sci-fi version of Earth. So it's kind of be like, by day, you're like a butcher or whatever, some day job. By night, you're like going against factions and stuff like that. Sounded pretty cool. And Blizzard, I'm sorry, but sooner or later, World right. of Warcraft's going to run out. So Blizzard yeah, you can't just keep putting all your eggs in one basket. Like and also... Biggest thing, bigger thing too, is industry analyst Billy Pigeon. He estimated the development cost of Titan may have topped fifty million, but Michael Packer, who who was of Wedbush Security, he said it won't even hire. He said, "quote My guess is one hundred to two hundred people at one hundred thousand dollars per year, so seventy to one hundred forty million sunk in cost." He told that to Games Industry International. So they pretty much lost seventy to one hundred hundred forty million dollars over these past seven years. Big hit for Blizzard. And I know that World of Warcraft is huge, and I know that they make good money uh, at doing that, but that is a, I don't care who you are, that is a major hit. This isn't like Microsoft taking a hit and absorbing it and moving on because they've got so many other things going on. Blizzard's got World of Warcraft, and I don't see that they really have a whole lot else going on, so how do you recoup this loss, and what was it that was so terrible that made them say, you know what, we just gotta stop? It just goes to show, like like I said when we first started with the story, I'm like, sooner or later, the Warcraft well is going to run dry. Like, I understand there's going to be, I understand there's a movie coming out and whatever, but sooner right. or later, at least within the next five to ten years, the well on Warcraft is going to run dry. 
Here's my thing, too. I mean, like you said, the movie coming out, and that that's going to be at least another year away. How many new no, players really, like, is that Warcraft, movie going to generate? The, the thing really? I, I knew about it was because when I was in college back in, like, 06 and stuff like that, I was a freshman, my first roommate who I wanted to pretty much kill because he all he did do, he was, I, I played college football, okay? I had to be up at 5 in the morning for lift and run and all that fun shit. So I would have been at, like, 9, 10 o'clock. I'm tired. I had practice right. and whatever. He's playing Warcraft. Uh, speakers, loud as they can go, in the morning, yelling, yeah, I killed you, whatever this. I looked at him like, dude, shut the fuck up. So, since him, he pretty much killed my whole thing with yeah, Warcraft. That, that's a, that's I'm like, a I don't understand. Right I understand not every player is like him, but fuck you to those people who are like that. Like, seriously. I mean, and you know, I mean, yeah. this, I'm sure that at some point we'll do a show on this gaming etiquette. Don't be a douche, okay? I mean, I, I'm, I'm, you know, being considerate is something that a lot of nerds are very considerate. But then there's the few bad apples that spoil the bunch for the rest of us. We're not all like those those douchebags that do that kind of crap. I just think that you're right. Well, Warcraft. I can't believe Warcraft hasn't run dry already. Honestly, I mean, it's been around for a long time. And I understand it's, you know, it's one of those games where there's endless possibilities. So there's always going to be people playing it. I just don't get how it is still such a popular entity. I actually think they've waited too long to do the movie. I, think, I still think the movie think will be good. Hardcore people will pay that how much money it is a month for a game. that never ends pretty much, but there's so many more indie games and, and other games coming out. You know what I'm saying? That, I'm shocked, you know, that people are kind of sticking with Warcraft. Right? You know what I'm saying? We're in the game pinnacle right now where indie games are big, you know, and everything else, and computer gaming is big. I'm just shocked that it's still, you know what I'm saying, it's still going on, you know? I think this is the la- This is one of the last refuges of the PC gamer. I think that's what it is because, I mean, PC gaming was big for a while, and now we've kind of hit a lull where a lot of it's moved over to the Xboxes and the PS threes or fours or what have you gaming computers are a lot of money not that many people can afford it it's like once you afford okay you can afford the 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 computer but can you afford the monthly subscription to things like world of warcraft or diablo or whatever you know can you that's the thing that's that's part of it and it's not just that it's bandwidth yes you got to think about bandwidth too you've got to get that high-end internet package that you and i have again with blizzard what they're doing they're canceling like I said, we don't know what much we know the premise of it, but we don't know like what it was. It made it cancel. However, and James, I'll let you run on this. The final story, going back to Marvel. Now, Milo Manara, Manara, he had these these very, he's known <sighs> as one of the, a great artist, and he has a big following. His following, mind you, too, um, is made up almost of entirely women. Like 50 51 percent of his, his fan base is women. So. Marvel came right. out Tuesday, and or actually comic book details were informed Tuesday by Diamond Comics Distributions that two upcoming variant covers for October's Avengers X-Men, X number one, and November's Thor number two, solicited to be drawn by Manera, will no longer be illustrated by him. And this, and there's no reason why. It's always scheduling conflicts, which I don't buy. Um, and a lot of it, I think, is because of the, back, the quote-unquote backlash they got from yeah. the Spider-Man number one variant. Now, mind you, it's a variant. And with that being said, Mr. Witham, I give you the floor. All right, here's the deal. First of all, let's touch on that. It's a variant cover. You have to seek these out. Nine times out of ten, 
you have to special order a variant. We've all seen the Spider-Woman number one cover. We all know what's on it. Her ass is in the air. Fine. I get why somebody might think that that's a little sexist, especially coming from me, a man. The other thing, the other criticism is, it just looks like her suit is painted on. First of all, do you not see the shadow below her arm or below her leg? She's on a friggin' roof and the sun is out. How about it's a light red colored suit and the sun's bouncing off it? Did you ever think of that? And shading, which is good artistry? I mean, come on. And not only that, you're, this isn't the regular cover, so calm down. It's not like kids are going to go up to Bob's, and Bob's going to have it in the front friggin' row. Oh, here's the variant cover. Look at her ass in the air. I mean, come on. I know that there's been some criticism from from uh, Manara here, but just give me a break. It's a variant cover. Not only that, you're a hypocrite, Marvel, okay? You're going to punish the guy, which is basically what they're doing without telling us that. You're going to punish the guy for this cover yeah, by canceling two other covers. They did not cancel this cover. So let's be honest. You're punishing the guy, which is very odd. I mean, you're right. Scheduling conflicts, come on. It's two covers, one in October, one in November. He couldn't work that in. Give me a break. Don't even give me this scheduling conflict crap. I mean, it's ridiculous. you got to understand that, you know, maybe people don't don't really think that he draws women properly. Maybe that you think it's sexist. And men shouldn't draw women in comics. Maybe you think that. You know what? Give me a friggin' break. It's not sexist, okay? Yeah. It's not like she's on top of some other guy. And it's a double standard. And you and I were talking about this. And we understand that we do have female listeners as well. And, you know, but the thing is, is that people say, oh, well, she looks like her ass is in the air. She's, like, getting ready for, you know, literally I've heard people say she's getting, she's getting ready for it to be penetrated rear, you know, rear entry. And I said, well, look at where she is on the building. She's on top of the building. Like she's just coming from the edge up and over. Okay, so do you think that maybe her body would be like that if, you know, she's going up the side of a building? No. She's going – yeah, and she's going like – I said, she's going, from the, she's going from the side of the building up onto the top. She's going, she's going from one, she's one area to another. Woman. Now, mind you, this is the same pose pretty much done in Spider-Man 30, and they overlaid it. And it if you were saying, well, he's over on top of bad guys, okay, what fucking difference does it make if he's on top yes. of bad guys and she's on top of a fucking building? And exactly. She's not on top of anything. L Magazine, go fuck yourself. Yeah, who the hell are you? The comic aficionados of L friggin' Magazine. You know, have you seen a cover your own magazines? You have women who are topless, who are in provocative poses, who are wearing much more little um, outfit than or clothing than Spider-Woman is. And for the people who are saying, oh, it looks like her, her body's painted on, well, Monero actually came out and said, yeah, we as artists color and draw heroes to be naked and, and hence why when you look at their suits both male and female the contours of their body at least all of them can be seen you look at look at look at superman why do you think you know you look at somebody in spandex they don't you don't see that really but why do you see superman when he's flying he yes. has like you can see all his abs and his the, the muscles in his thighs and everything like that why do you think you can see all that you know what it's it's obvious what they were doing to try and sell this variant I'm not. I'm not at all disputing that. It is obvious. Look at all the romance novels in the '90s, with the men with their shirts off in sexually poses. You telling me that that where was the outcry for that? There was none. Well, it's because back then we weren't so touchy feely about every little thing. That's part of the problem. We are so. It's like we once one once one thing that we're yes. complaining about or offended by ends, we immediately yes. go looking for the next thing, and not to mention. This is Spider-Woman. 
Who the hell cares? It's a lesser character. Now, hopefully, they will try and, you know, prop her up to be a more major character. Because I actually think it's a good character. But it's not like we're talking about a major character here. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, let's talk about Black Widow for a second. Who they cast Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow. Come on. You knew exactly what you were doing with that. Now, I'm not saying that she's not perfect for the part. Because I think she does a great job. Like I said, it's a variant. And... When you just because you view something as sexual, doesn't mean that I view it as sexual. It's in the eye of the beholder. If what you see is that she's about to be penetrated from the rear, then you need to t- take a good look in the mirror at yourself. If that's what you're seeing, it's all about perception. You see it as, hey, she just crawled up the side of the building. Maybe she'd be in that position. It is a spider like position. Peter Parker would probably do the same exact thing, but nobody's ever said, ha ha, yeah. Peter Parker's about to take it in the ass. No. I look at it as art. Yeah. That's what it's supposed to be. And how is, I'm sorry, but if even if he meant it to be the way that she looks and whatever, how is that different than going to see the Michelangelo is it, sculpture? Is it a sexy pose? Of course it is. It's the point. You are, I mean, right. if you're trying to sell comics to men, yeah, that might make you buy this variant. So we're not saying that it's not a sexy, provocative pose at all. It is. No matter what your perception is, no matter what he meant by it, it is a sexy pose. I just think right. people are taking it too far. It's being taken out of context. You hear the term, you've, if you've got it, flaunt it a lot. It just in, in general, everyday society. Right. Now, I think, compare this to what DC Comics did right. with their bombshell variants uh, not too long ago, which I thought were great, by the way. Um, Harley Quinn and her variant is riding a rocket. Come right. on. Okay? You take that for... You You know, you can interpret that however you like, okay? Nobody got offended by that, nor did I think they should have been. It's, you know... I understand women's viewpoints on this. But you also have to understand that you have to look at both sides of the coin. If it was a man, if it was Spider-Man in this pose, would there be people crying out for it? You're, you're allowed to have your opinions, and everybody's allowed to be offended by what they're offended by, and I don't take that right away from anybody. Yeah. I just don't have to agree with you. And I think this was taken out of context, and I think that you made a good point in that art right. is interpreted differently by everyone. You can see things that even the artist didn't even see, right. or that wasn't their intention, but that's how you interpreted it. And that's what art is. Art is a celebration of the body. And, and people so said, if a woman, if, if, if a character, man or woman, was drawn in some sort of productive way, why is that such a bad thing, especially in today's age, day and age? Right. Why, are we, you know, we're, why are we celebrating the body even more? You know, for Christ's sakes, ESPN Magazine has the body issue, which has athletes who are naked, but nobody gets upset over that. So why is it that we don't get upset over that, but when we get upset over something, how somebody's drawn or a character's drawn and they're right. put in a certain pose, we get upset over that. I don't understand it. Okay, so he draws this variant cover, right? This had to be sent for approval. This was published, approved, printed. Where is the outcry over whoever approved this cover in the first damn place? Because you don't just... Any artist out there, and I defy any of our artist friends and listeners to tell me that you can just submit your art and they don't look at it and they just print it. You got it's Marvel for God's sakes. Somebody approved this cover. So obviously it was okay then, but now because, you know, people got on Twitter and went batshit crazy, it's suddenly not okay. Exactly. You could have pulled it. I mean, I'm sure they've already printed some. You could have pulled this right. very if you're listening now, if you're listening to this, 
and you say well, we're sexist, you don't know us because you've never spent time with us, right? Right, and I don't, and I don't judge every. I don't go on Twitter and find everybody that was offended by this and judge them for their opinion. So okay, so she's in this pose. Okay, it's just a pose, though. You know, it's you know, I mean, name me some other time right. where you're like walking around. You know, there's times where I'm with friends and we're reenacting stuff. And I'm in like in like a Spider-Man pose or in a cat-like pose right. or something like that. You know, it, it doesn't. Why? You know, why is it such a, a matter? You know, isn't the, isn't it the content? It's inside the comic worth more than the cover itself or, or, or the content outside of what's written. Do not judge a book by its cover. Don't judge a book by its cover. But what we're going to be doing, our main topic, though, is comparing and contrasting film and television. Main topic, coming up next. Well, one of the most heated debates in recent memory has been over the direction of the screen versions of Marvel and DC characters. Who does it better? Who's coming out on top on this and on that? So we decided this week we're going to take the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the DC TV Universe and compare them and see how they're doing and who's got the better edge. So what do you think, Nick? Just at, at, the, at its base right now, who's got the right line? Who's doing the right thing right now? Or are they both doing the right thing? They're both doing the right thing, but I think that when you look at it, I'm going to shock people here. I'm going with DC on this one wow. only because they understand, hey, not a lot of our characters are strong as Superman, Batman, in terms of not power, but in terms of being able to carry a movie. Right. So what we're going to do, we're going to put them on TV. We're going to give them a series, Green Arrow, Flash. You know, uh, Supergirl's going to get one now. CBS, it looks like. So I, I think that when you look at it, as far as understanding, Marvel, I think, is more of a risk taker because look what they did with Guardians right. and how that turned out. Nobody knew about Guardians, you know, and they're doing this, Doctor Strange. Now get, Marvel's getting into the, you know, Marvel's getting into that territory now of like, there's going to be more and more risk taking because a lot of their heroes now that they're getting into aren't that well known. Right. You're getting so, deep into the catalog now. And I think that one of the things people forget about Marvel taking risks, and that's a good point, is that they're backed by Disney, who has a lot of money. I mean, they took baths on movies like John Carter and Lone Ranger, and they are no worse for wear. So they can go to Marvel and say, if you want to make a Doctor Strange movie, go ahead. We could take the hit. DC does not have that option. No. Warner, they don't, yeah, Warner Brothers is like their partner, but they don't have a DC Studios. Right. They don't really have a backer, per se. So if this doesn't work out and you take a bath on it, that, that you know, that you just recoup that money easily. This is... There's a lot more risk involved with DC, especially when it comes to multi-million dollar projects like feature films. And DC has been doing really well on TV. Like you said, Gotham averaged 8.2 million viewers. They beat out, and mind you, it's on a Monday. They beat out Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. So I think you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. only had 5.6 million that tuned in this week. So when you look at it, and you look at both things, now I understand Gotham is a newer, hotter property, so more people are going to turn into it. But as far as when you look at Marvel, though, okay, what characters could they do for a TV show? Now, we know that they're going to do Daredevil on Netflix and Luke Cage and Jessica well, Jones. Well, I'm talking about TV, like network TV. Like, <sighs> it, it's tough, isn't it? It's very tough. I mean, unless you were going to take, like, one of the X-Men characters and focus on, it, like, Gambit. If right. you were going to give Gambit... I not and I know Gambit's getting a movie. Don't relax. It's okay. I know, but if you were going to take a character like Gambit, for example, and give him his own series, I could see you maybe doing that. But you're right. There's a lot of characters where it's like you know, and and I don't mean this to sound as much of a slap in the face as it is, but 
there aren't enough characters that are really that deep. No. That could revolve around a, a TV series in the Marvel Universe. I actually believe that Marvel's doing the wrong... And now I know this is a different entity. This is 20th Century Fox. I think they're doing the wrong thing with Fantastic Four. I think Fantastic Four is a TV series, yes. not a movie. Yeah, Fant- yeah, Fantastic Four is a TV series. Um, it, again, it's just one of those things where you know you look at what they're doing. And with Marvel, it's just... Their heroes are more suited for the big screen, you know. Right, like you can't you can't do Thor on TV. No, you can't. It doesn't work. There's too much. I mean, to have Asgard the way it needs to be done properly, and you know the power of Thor and the lightning and the, just the effects alone. I know they do great things on TV. It, it needs to be a feature. So that's why Thor was a feature film. It makes sense. There's just so many things that make sense. This has to be done as a feature. Does does the Flash need to be a feature? Not necessarily. No, because he's more of a guy. He's a, he's a secondary character. You know, he's he's a guy you're not gonna base a movie around. You maybe you'll have him as like a Falcon role, you know, or something like that. But as far as I mean, like I would love. I can't wait to see you know a Green Arrow Flash crossover. That's gonna be fun. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Flash could work as a movie on his own. But eh, now it's here's tough. the thing. Now here's really the thing tough. too. I mentioned that Marvel takes more risk in terms of movies going to you know making movies. DC, I think, takes more risk when it comes to the casting. Because oh, definitely. No, I mean, S- Stephen Amell, that was a, I don't care what you yeah. said, that was a risk. That was a huge risk because you remember, and I was talking to somebody about this the other day, actually. Remember when Smallville ended and they announced that Arrow right. was coming? And I think it was with Justin Hartley was the name of the so. actor that played uh, Green Arrow. I, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. But everybody were just assuming he was going to keep the mantle and go on to Arrow. And remember when he wasn't, when they cast Stephen Amell, people were pissed that he didn't just continue his Green Arrow because people thought he did a great job. Where's that outrage now? Because everybody loves Stephen Amell. And boy, was that the right call. So let's look at some of the smaller properties, like the IDW properties and stuff like that. You know, if you're a smaller independent property... TV is where you want to be right now, especially with with with, with oh, channels like AMC, FX, and TNT, because you could do more. I think you know what I'm saying, and you don't have to be work on as big of a budget or try to get a big budget. You know, right? And and there's expectations there. I think that if if Marvel was to do a Doctor Strange TV series, people would be way into it, and I think that it could be done. But now that it's be, now that it's going to be a feature film, to me, I don't know how you feel, but to me, when you're doing a feature. That raises expectations for and me now. A TV show I like to see. A TV show I like to see, and I'm reading it because I'm reading the comic. Is Justice Inc. It's with Doc Savage, the Avenger in the Shadow. I'd love to see like a Doc Savage TV show or or a Shadow TV show. Put it together. Do the Justice Inc. show. That'd be great. That would be something. I could yeah. see that on AMC. But I think overall, though, you know, when you look at the big two and where they're going. It's kind of they're at a crossroads. Like 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 DC owns television right now, they do. Oh no question about it. It's not even even if Angie Carter's a success, it's still not. It's but not even a horse. I race. say it because DC has the capability. Because like, like I said, here's the thing: we mentioned how they're not handcuffed to like a big company like this, like Marvel's with with Disney. So they're on right. ABC. You look at something like DC, who doesn't have a main company. They can go to CBS. They can go to NBC. They can go to ABC. You know, not ABC, but Fox. They have, I think, more options of where they can go. Right. Because 
And they're smart because what they're doing is, is they're looking at each character individually and they're saying, okay, who would be best suited for this property? And they're handpicking where they want to go. They know that CBS does well with female lead dramas. So they picked CBS for Supergirl. Teen Titans is going to be on TNT. They do drama very well. They want to do more dramatic side for them. And that could end up being a flagship show for TNT. So they picked a property where they thought that they could make each show shine. And Marvel really doesn't have that option. I mean, I know they went with Netflix for uh, Daredevil and those other properties, but that's not really a stretch because Disney has a deal in place with Netflix for their films anyway. So there's already a deal in place with Netflix. That's not a surprise. So I think you're right that if if things ever start to go bad for Marvel, they don't have a no. second option. They just, they just have ABC. Like I said, that's the thing. And I'm sorry, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., with that big of a drop-off, you know, 5 million less people, 6 million less people from season 1 to season 2. With less, less competition, competition, by the way. I don't see why the show makes it past 3, 4 seasons. I'm going to be honest. I was scared also, for that. Because on Fox. Fox is known uh, for like 3 episodes and you're done. Not only that, but I saw... When they first put out the, the TV fall lineups, I saw where they were going to put it and the stiff competition it was up against. We mentioned it before, Monday Night Football, The Voice, Dancing with the Stars, um, whatever Black was on CBS well, at the time. I, think, I don't remember. Big Bang Theory. Oh, Big yeah. Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory. Um, so you're going up against all that competition. That's all, Those are some of the most watched shows of the week. Never mind the night. You're going up against all that and to put out the showing that Gotham did in its first week – I think it's, it was fantastic numbers by comparison. And some of that stuff's going to go away. Monday Night Football is going to go right. away in December. So, that and there's one huge audience. Like you said, the DVR numbers, once those comes, come in, because I'm sure a lot of people DVR Gotham as well. I think once you look at it at, at its face, Gotham basically doubled Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And now I know Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had that big opening uh, in its first season. But again, go back. Look what was competing on that same night with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Plus, this was Marvel's first ever, not first ever TV property because they had some years and years and years ago. But as far as modern times go and with the cinematic universe taking off, this was their first television property. Of course, their pilot episode was going to do massive ratings. Everybody knew that. But now, because like, well, wait a minute, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's like, oh, I want, like I said, we reviewed it earlier in the show. I'm like... Uh, I wanted it to be over because it didn't catch my attention, really. I'm just like, when is this over? Or like Gotham, I'm like, I am hooked. Like, there is continuous drama, right. continuous good story building going on. And that's the thing. I think because DC has been in the live-action TV, I think, much longer than Marvel has. Because a lot of Marvel properties were a lot of animated stuff. So, Right, and, and if you look at the DC animated stuff, and you can speak to this from experience, the DC animated movies are friggin' fantastic. No. Marvel's not and, too much. you know, D- DC's animated shows, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but I think that I, we, I grew up in the best era of the 90s because I got the 90s Batman animated series, you know, and X-Men right, and, and Spider-Man. So I, I think, you know, as far as cartoon TV goes, I think that Marvel wins that. But I'm going off of, like, you know, years ago stuff. Right, well, because because the only, and I, I liked some of the other ones too, but but Batman was the best of them by far, and I think that overall, if you look at the 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 animated series, Marvel had more success with more characters. I don't think Marvel had a show, maybe the X Men series, the '90s, that was as big as as uh, Batman, the animated series, 
But I think as far Batman the animated series is the gold standard of animated uh, of superhero entities to me. Not that some of the others were good, but as a whole overall, I think Marvel oh, yeah, did have the most, edge mo- there. More, no doubt. But like I said, when, when it comes to TV and it comes to you know, because like I said, right now DC is making a major risk right now with this whole Batman Superman thing and bringing in see all these characters and doing whatever what you what they will with these characters. So we're gonna see how that plays out. You know, they want to have their own cinematic universe. Now we're going to see how can it play out with Shazam, with, you know, if you want to do Aquaman or whomever. Right. You know, I don't think they're ever going to – I agree with, with DC on this. I believe DC on this. They're not gonna, never going to cross the TV and films, film universes. I agree with that. Nor should they. They should be their own unique Nor should entities. they, no. As much as I'd like to see Stephen Amell in a Justice League movie – I, I get why you don't do that. I really do. Um, I think that and what we need to realize too is that is that Marvel had the success in the films first, and now they're yeah. trying to get into TV because why not? Now it's very it's a lot harder to me to do what DC is going to try and do, and that okay we're doing so well in TV now we're going to try and bump up our feature film universe. Well, especially because this, really this is the start of the first time where it's not just the two main entities, or it's not just Batman, Superman. They're gonna try and say, "Hey, let's try to do a Shazam right. movie or Wonder Woman." Even though Green Lantern didn't do as he was like, "Great, they work against them because what happened with Green Lantern? That big of a drop, right? You know." So it's like it's a big risk. Just like Marvel yeah. needed to recover from Daredevil years ago, they did have to recover the X Men movies. They had to recover from that. I said on in a post the other day on Facebook.com/slash/downandnerdy that it's I think that, that X Men: Days of Future Past and to it. And to a lesser extent, first class saved Marvel because movies. I mean, not getting, X-Men People movies. are starting to get burned saved out by it. Because, like, oh, great, another Wolverine movie. You know, they were getting burned out by it. And when... Yeah. Last and, Stand was terrible. And when you saw... And the thing is, Last Stand, the, the one thing that Days of Future Past did right is it erased every bad thing Last Stand did. It was a clean slate. So right, right. when you went to go see the Wolverine and you saw the end credit sequence with Xavier Magneto... That got you more. That got me more pumped up for any Marvel movie ever. Yeah, so it saved it. I, I would totally agree with that. You know, it, it saved you from getting burned out. And I'm sorry, but I can do it without any more Wolverine movies. I'm good. I'm tapped out on that, man. Yeah. I think I think Cody yeah. would agree with you on that. <laughs> I mean, I, I think they should do Old Man Logan. I think they should do that. But then after that, I, yeah. I agree. I think that we could we could stop there. Um, here's the thing though. Let's say that DC has success with their cinematic universe in their first two or three entities. Does that then change their TV universe? Do we then see them start to kind of do what Marvel's been doing and ignore their other side? And, and do you think that would actually happen or do you think they're going to be able to find a good balance if they find success? They don't want one thing to suffer because of another. You know, they, they, they'll find, be able to find balance because and here's where DVC has it right. They'll find balance because the TV characters have been in the ground like they've, as far as, you know, entrenched in the TV series for years. So they have a good base. We're like Marvel. It's right. like we don't have solid ground. We're going to plant the sea and see what happens. DC, at least we're doing it now. It's like, okay, we have this rich history of TV. We know it's not going to go away. We have a good foundation. Let's build on this, you know? So it, it, it works out right. in DC's favor, I think. 
Now, here's the thing that concerns me about Marvel, and I think that they've done such such a perfect job with their cinematic universe, and they really haven't been able to find the same success in the TV universe. But here's my worry, and this goes back to what we were talking about with them being with Disney and ABC. If this starts to go south, and I'm not saying it will, but we are entering into more risky territory, and I know I said that about Guardians, and I was wrong, but basically the next four or five movies are going to be Guardians-esque, and that they're going to be risks. If this starts to go south, it could go south really fast for Marvel because they are tied to one entity. They cannot bring these properties anywhere else. Bent on an Avengers universe. Right, and and they've tied their TV and cinematic universes together. So if the cinematic universe starts to drop off, that could be all hell could break loose. It's the it's right. the well, proverbial falling. It's like you imagine if Agents of Shield got canceled, right? It could very well happen. Like as far and as we understand, how much money Disney has, but when it comes to TV, Disney is not going to put a bad quality TV out there just because of a universe, because of their films. No, they're not. And I mean, yeah. look what they're doing with their uh, Once Upon a Time series. They are rushing characters from Frozen onto that show because it's a popular entity, and that show, Once Upon a Time, they had to cancel Once right. Upon a Time in Wonderland. They canceled that because it didn't work. So now they're trying to ki- they're trying to save the original Once Upon a Time by interjecting characters from Frozen in it. Now I'm saying, now what? Maybe that works. Maybe it doesn't. And I realize it's a little different, but again, it's the same kind of concept because it's still Disney. If Agents of Shield starts to fail, what's the answer? Do you put Robert Downey Jr. on on God, half though. of the season of Agents of Shield God, just though. to save it? He's got by putting he Iron Man He's in not, it. You can't do that. Thing. Robert Downey Jr. And this is where Marvel has put themselves in kind of a hole. They have actors who have other projects going on after Avengers stuff and Marvel stuff going on. Robert Downey Jr. is right, not going to clear schedule of excellent movies to do because he wants to, he's got to be on five episodes of S.H.I.E.L.D. And neither will Chris Evans, it's, neither will Chris Hemsworth, may, well, may, maybe Mark Ruffalo and maybe Scarlett Johansson. May, and that's even a maybe. And I don't even think she would do it. Right. I, I, especially she's got a baby now. Is she even going to have time to do that? I mean, it's it's one of those things where you've got to realize that if you need to save a sinking ship, right. what are you going to do to save it? Because they don't really have a Marvel. To me, they're working without a net, and I think that that's sometimes in life you need to do that. I understand it, but and maybe in the arrogance of Marvel fans that think that this is going to succeed no matter what. Are you kidding me right now? This could well, this could go south. I don't it think could Marvel happen. Well, no, but. You know, the phase two, I haven't really been head over heels over it. You've been very critical been head over heels phase two. I haven't. Other than Guardians and Captain America, Winter Soldier, that's it. And those were the latter half of phase two. Yes. So, I mean, you get you got to be careful here. I know Marvel's riding a high, especially after Guardians. Guardians was like the slap in the face to people like me that said, ah, it's risky. I don't know if you should do that. And it worked out amazing. Yeah, Guardians it's a different, it's a different feel. A different when you watch, when it's the first Marvel movie I watch where I'm like, oh my God, I'm not watching a Marvel movie. Right, and that's, and that's all well and good. But you've got to be careful because let's say Doctor Strange for whatever. Actually, no, I won't say Doctor Strange. I'm going to go with the one that I think is the most likely okay. flop. What if Ant-Man bombs? What if it's A, what if A, it's a bad movie, and B, people just don't care about that character? 
I know that Paul Rudd's in it. I know people love Paul Rudd, but he's not necessarily a leading man here that's going to be a draw on his own. What if Ant-Man bombs? Carry on my wayward son. There's a place where you can go. It's called straight to DVD. (laughs) I just think that, I think Marvel fans are not prepared for, because they don't see it as a possibility, one of these movies could fail. Because if one fails, then what? Because it has the Marvel brand logo on it, it's going to be hard for it to fail. I'm sorry, but you're still going to get people to go see it. I think that we... Unlike with Green Lantern, Green Lantern, a lot of his money, it's like $300 million budget or whatever, went into technology. Marvel's not going to have that. A lot of the Marvel movies' budgets aren't really that high. You know? Yes. So it's hard for them to not make money back. Right. Well, and I, and I realize for some of these lesser properties, like an Ant-Man or a Doctor Strange, you're not going to have to spend as much money. So it's not as big of a risk as, say, like the Lone Ranger movie was or John Carter was when those bombed for Disney. I'm just saying that... And, and, I, and I feel the same way about DC, but here's the thing. If a Marvel movie fails, if one fails, it could lessen their confidence in the next film. And films will draw in a lot, either draw in a ton of money or make you lose a ton of money right away. Let's say when Supergirl comes on CBS for DC, it's a spectacular failure. It's a bad show, bad cast. Nobody's watching it. It gets canceled. It's a blip. How bad is that? It's barely a blip. Because if Supergirl's bad, it's not going to make you say... Ah, maybe I shouldn't watch Teen Titans because yeah. it's on another network and they're going to do something totally different with it. It's not like you're churning out the same things in the same venues because it's like it's like if you go to a concert at a certain venue and you're like, oh, the sound is terrible. I can't believe that I wasted my money on this. And then another act comes and it's like, well, I don't know if I want to see him at this place because the sound is horrible at that other place. It's different with DC. Because you can go to another venue and try and do the show again. With Marvel, right. you're in the same you're in the same concert venue every time. Right. So yeah, you exactly. better be so, I mean, real careful you know, with how you do this. It's kind of like <laughs> to use a, a Marvel analogy for DC, it's kinda of like DC's kind of TV is kinda of like Hydra, where just because if one show fails, two more grows in its place. <laughs> so I mean exactly. yeah, if Supergirl's yeah, bad, good, hey, T Titans and Flash grow in its place. So I mean you know Not to mention it's again, you're right, it's TV. Look at the catalog that you can draw from. Honestly, look at the cat and, and Marvel is a just as big of a catalog as DC does, but look at the characters that DC could just say, okay, Supergirl failed, you we'll know, just grab this character or that character and give them their own series. Yeah. 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 It's like the forgotten story of all this of this whole thing. I, I mean, that could be uh, another giant launching pad. The only that. time I think we should ever fear for Gotham is when Fox is like, Gotham, now 8 o'clock on Fridays. That's when, that's when you fear. <laughs> that's when you... That's that's the kiss oh, of Oh, yeah, death if it goes right to there. Fridays, it's dead. It's like an, an owner of a franchise or a team saying, we, we believe in our coach. He has my full support. Until, of course, the season, I'm going to fire him. That's what Fridays on Fox is. Unfortunately, that is correct. But, again, DC, unlike Marvel, and I I know I'm a DC guy, sorry, not going to change my stripes. DC grabbed their backup plan before the show even aired by striking a deal with Netflix. I just think that, I think they're both doing what they're doing well. I just think that the way DC has gone is they've gone with lesser risk and higher reward, and they've gone the avenue that allows them to further develop these characters like this. and make you care about TV them by doing it on a week-by-week basis. Film is majors. 
DC has spent their entire, mostly their entire career in the minor league system, in AAA. So if they go to Major League Baseball and they go 0 for 3, or they get 5 runs, hey, you can still go back down to the minors where you've had success. But Marvel doesn't have that option. Because once they start failing, I mean, if, if, if Ant-Man fails and people go, ah, I can't believe that just happened, and then the, your next shot is Doctor Strange, they're going to go, wow. So the last time they tried to do an unknown solo character, it didn't right. work out so well. Maybe I don't want to go waste my money on Doctor Strange. That could happen. Now, I don't know the exact order they're going to do these in. I'm pretty sure that, you know, you're going to have an Avengers movie mixed in there, so they won't go from unknown property to unknown, unknown property. I get that. But... Once you lose confidence in something, and and I will say this, I will say the same exact thing about the DC Cinematic Universe. People were very critical of Man of Steel, even though I think they're wrong. They were very critical. A lot of people didn't like it. So, of course, people are going to say, ah, look at Man of Steel. I don't know if I want to go see Batman versus Superman. I don't know if I want to take that risk. So... They, they are going to be dealing with that in their cinematic universe, just like I think Marvel is going to deal with that with Agent Carter. Because of what they opening for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But the thing is, is that Mar- like DC has this. Okay, say, for instance, Batman vs. Superman happens, you know, whatever, does good, whatever, does bad, does good, whatever, doesn't matter. You look at, okay, we have these shows that kind of hang you over until the next movie comes out, even though they might not be connected. Marvel... They're, they're making a big risk of, right. hey, this is tied into our universe. So what happens if Aids of S.H.I.E.L.D. goes bye-bye because of bad ratings? What are you going to have? Right. You can't bring you know the Hulk into Agent Carter. You can't just do that. Right. So it's kind of like, and remember though, too, because they're Disney properties, they primarily run on ABC. Right. There's limited amount of people you can bring to the small screen because I doubt that Disney's going to be like, well, instead of throwing this on our station and getting us money, why are we going to go to Fox? Why are we going to go to CBS? And why are we going to go to NBC and put our Marvel properties on these different networks that make them right. money? We have our own network. That's the big issue. That could be the biggest falling point for Marvel as far as the right. universe goes. Not only that, but a lot of these Marvel characters are have appearance-based contracts. Are you going to waste a appearance number for like a Sebastian right. Stan as the Winter Soldier? Hey, you know, they're both doing it what they got to do. You know, they're both excelling at what they're doing right now. So keep it that way. You know, right? I I think that's true. I'm not saying that DC shouldn't make movies and Marvel shouldn't make TV shows. We're not saying that. But what we're don't saying lose- is. You have Don't a focus what, that's working made you for great. you. It's like saying this. Like, like, I'm Michael Jordan. I love basketball. Right. I'm great at it. I'm a Hall of Famer. I'm going to go play baseball and suck at it. You know, it didn't work out well. So don't be like, I'm Marvel. I'm great at, I'm great at movies. But yeah, how'd that work TV, out? TV, kind of limited. But let's go to TV anyways. What the hell? You know, and, and, and it'll be good at it. Same thing with DC and vice versa. You know, it again... They're doing, both doing the right thing. They're both making tons of money. We're living in a great age right now where these things are happening. They found their niche. Both Marvel and DC have found their niche. And, it, and it's doing them wonders. And again, this is the DC guy in me. If Batman versus Superman is a monumental success and a fantastic movie, and then they start raking in some, other, some more good right. movies, like let's say Shazam is amazing, look out, Marvel. Because then DC could end up owning it all. We're on Facebook.com, Facebook slash Down Nerdy, on Twitter at Down Nerdy 757. I'm on Twitter at Nick Pataglia25. James? 
I'm at James Ace with him. You can also email us comments, questions, anything you've got going on. Down and Nerdy Podcast at gmail.com. We're also on YouTube. You can search us on Down and Nerdy Podcast there, even though we haven't posted any videos in a while. We we will be posting some videos eventually. And don't forget, Tidewater Comic Con, October the 18th. That's a Saturday, so no yes. excuses. Uh, we're going to be at Table 104 right near Bob Fantasy Escape Comics and Cars. And right near the entrance, yes. too, by the way. So come see us, be a part of the show. We'd love to have you on. We talk, we talk to each other all the time. Now we want to talk to you, get you on the show, talk about things that you want to talk about. And don't worry, we'll have some topics standing by for you in case you're not sure. We hope we've brought you joy and much, much That's pleasure right. and laughter. And also, uh, like I said, check us out at Tywar Comic Con. And as always, people, practice safe comic book reading, always bag and board your comics.